Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 85, which is our, shall we say, midlife crisis episodes, or more, let's say, comedians doing something slightly more serious episode. Uh, we are talking about Stranger Than Fiction, starring Will Ferrell from 2006, directed by Mark Forrester, and we pair that with the Secret Life of Walter Mitty, starring Ben Stiller from 2013 and directed by Ben Stiller himself. These are interesting, interesting films. I absolutely, I recently just got obsessed with The Secret Life of Walter Mitty by Ben Stiller. I don't know why. Maybe it speaks to me right now, but it was a really great film. Uh, I will note that Dan Thrawn did basically half Scruggs, Stranger Than Fiction, he based it mostly based on his memory when he actually saw the film because it's actually a very hard film to find and to be able to be streaming. But we managed to make it happen, and it was great, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, as you guys know, we record all of these podcasts on Twitch, so that is why when you hear these podcasts, you'll hear us chatting with our audiences or, or, or talking to people who are on chat on it. We would love to, for you to be part of that. And if you can, uh, just remember, uh, just go ahead and subscribe to us on Twitch. And your subscription actually uh, will help support our channel as well. So we would really appreciate it. So uh, our Twitch is uh, just go to uh, twitch.com slash martini underscore giant. And uh, that's where you can find us. And if you'd like to be part of this week's uh, a live episode. This is going to be recorded on Saturday, September, uh, sorry, Saturday, February 5th at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is GMT minus eight, I believe. Uh, we will be doing uh, two films by Yorgos uh, Lanthimos, uh, a great director originally from Greece. Uh, and we're going to be doing The Lobster and The Killing of the Sacred Deer. So I am very excited about these films. So please join us. Again, that is uh, going to be uh, at martini underscore giant on Twitch. And uh, it will be uh, Saturday, uh, February 5th at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we're doing The Lobster and The Killing of the Sacred Deer. Look forward to seeing you guys there. But for now, please enjoy Stranger Than Fiction and The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's exciting. It's an exciting time. I'm doing my, uh, my dry January. Nice. Yeah. What are you up? What are you busy i was working <laughs> my <You> too, uh, <laughs> my car was stolen this is oh exciting God. and uh and uh we the cops found it just uh last night they did yes yes yeah. stripped um uh it was not stripped we don't know uh, how like it was drivable uh we don't know how badly damaged it was so we're taking it to a mechanic this week uh but at least we were able to get it back home and uh but it was just you know it's like uh the t i can't remember anyway it was a few few days back and yeah came out of the uh came out of the mall car completely not there wow so it was uh, good times did you good check times. the trunk for bodies oh yeah no not yet we should probably look into this yeah that explains some things 
Yeah, explain some things. So can you guys hear me eating nuts? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm We can hear you. Yeah. Yeah, it's crunchy. It's crunchy. Feeling good. Well, other than that, you had a good break. Other than that, nice break. Nice break. <clears throat> I uh, let's see, what did I do? Gosh, oh, yeah, we had. Uh, I do remember there was uh, Stephen Parker's being a stolen car. He had his truck stolen, and then mm -hmm. he had the adjuster coming in, were like explaining to him, you know, the reimbursement for his truck, uh -huh. and then he guys like, well, I got a quote here, and then gave him a, a number, and the number was more than it would cost to buy a brand new truck. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And the guy, and the. The, the jester is like paused when he saw it. I was like, "Does that seem right?" And then partner goes, "Yeah, <laughs> that that seems great. Yeah, that seems about <laughs> exactly correct." Can you actually print this before I say anything else? <laughs> so what what happened? Well, he got the check. <laughs> Do you mind yeah. signing this immediately before uh, you find out if that was wrong? <laughs> I remember my brother and I had a shared a car. And it was stolen on 96th Street in New York. Oh, yeah. It had a beer stain in the back seat that was the perfect shape of Texas. And <laughs> he found somebody just, it was down, I don't know where it was, but he said, oh, go check on 112. And I went, and there it was, the gray Honda Accord with the perfect beer stain in the back that looked like the shape of Texas. So <laughs> I remember just getting on the phone on, like, on uh, Lexington, like, Okay, he's like, but the insurance paid. I was like, wait a minute, insurance paid already? He's like, yeah, we split the car. He kept all the money. He kept, the whole, he kept the whole payout. I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck? We <laughs> were just being in a payphone. Like, I don't understand this. You kept the money, but we split all the costs. <laughs> it's like Fargo. One of us pays the other for half. <laughs> Eric runs out with an axe. <laughs> oh, I was pissed. I remember oh, that. I was really pissed. No, How no. is that possible? Well, who, whoever whoever stole our car also cleaned the interior. So I was actually pretty I was pretty happy about that part. <laughs> they may they have did. destroyed everything else, but yeah, like they were trying uh, to sell it. They were trying to sell it. Yeah. The, yeah, and they couldn't. Yeah. The my wife's car was stolen. She had a Subaru uh WRX and it was stolen in front of our car. And, like right at well, election day of 2004. Oh, and uh, she she's like, oh crap, it was stolen. And then she was on that phone with the cops and she goes, wait a minute, it has LoJack. He goes, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, so we got the LoJack and they found it like pretty quickly. Oh, wow, that's good. That's a good deal. Uh, and it was parked like somewhere in like Crenshaw or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. the only thing that was like, they, they ripped out the dashboard to get to, to ignition or whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 But Monkey Man, yes, he got his car back. <laughs> That's right. You yeah, know, uh, 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 the cops called last night, and uh, we went to a, uh, a uh, not the safest feeling area to go uh, pick it up, and uh, it, which part? The one downtown. I don't. I don't want to besmirch any town's name, um, but it was. Uh, well, downtown LA. I my car was taken it was downtown la by 110 yeah this was this was not this was not downtown this is closer to where we live um mm. out in uh duarte which uh for people that don't know you know because many many people in la don't know where duarte is because it's, it's next to bfe 
It's uh, yeah, it's, 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 exactly. It's next to Mars. It's basically next to Mars. Yeah, Mars uh, adjacent. Yeah, yeah, Mars adjacent. That's very true. It's like it's it's as it's as uh, far from LA as you could possibly get and still say I live in LA. And people people in LA are like, yeah, really? <laughs> do you really live in LA? No, no, no. we do. But yes, the car is back. We're very, very, very happy about it. Now we just have to make sure it's actually functional. Yeah. But the um, but the uh, yeah, the uh, break was nice. I got to uh, 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 do a lot of nothing, which was fun. Hang out, play uh, video games with the kids, and uh, we didn't get uh, to do what everyone else did and get to COVIDs. <laughs> no, we tried to avoid that business. Uh, mm -hmm. We did. So yeah, it's a. Uh, I, I, although on my last day of vacation, I uh, I spent an entire day to myself watching all of the making of and all of the four and a half hour version of Cleopatra with Elizabeth Taylor. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty great. I've been watching Ozark again over and over and over. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still not actually seen this show. I've seen like one or two episodes that I liked. Uh, I love that show. Love that show. Yeah, I love everybody involved in that show. I think, and uh, what's his name? Um, the guy plays the main character there. Bateman. He's a great, great director. Bateman's a great director. He is an amazing director. Most of the great episodes he directed, he's a genius. He really yeah. is. He's he's something else. I really like that dude. Like, talk about a, uh, you know, because he was like the cute kid on whatever, you know, crappy show. And Arrested Development. Yeah. Oh, and then he once he comes into Arrested Development, he's like everyone likes him again. You know, or like he's growing up and whatnot. But uh, but then once he became a director, I was like, "You are a damn triple threat." Look at you. He yep. is a triple threat. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right, I would like to acknowledge uh, C. Carollo for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Oh, hello, sir. Good to see you on board. Yeah, I know C. Carollo. Jason's here. Mike Monkey Man's here. Hello, Mike Black. Mike Studio. Black Studio is here. Uh, and Mike Black, and, yes, yes, that is the uh, new Walter Mitty, the new Walter Mitty. And yes, McMonkey Man, one. thank you for the uh, Repo Man quote. And Redbeard 1972 <laughs> is here as well. If thank anyone does uh, yeah. oh, yes, Redbeard, yes, good to see you, good to see you, happy new year. Yeah, mm -hmm. and if anyone doesn't recognize the quote from McMonkey Man, then get to renting Repo Man immediately, it's very important. Right, it's funny, I, I, I'm old friends with Dickie. Oh, uh, Dickie, you and Dickie. Dickie Rude. Dickie Rude, yes. He's in it. Yes, he is. That's yeah, he right. He has wonderful stories of the old days, man. That's right. Those are great old days. Well, I think we, before we get into the podcast itself, I think we have to acknowledge uh, some some big losses that are uh, Martini Giant adjacent. Mm -hmm. uh, Bogdanovich and uh, Sidney Poitier died. Sidney Poitier, yeah, yeah. These were Those very were, two very sad ones for me. Very for sure. sad ones. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's real. Yeah, that's a bummer. And also Chashu. Let's not forget. Oh Shashu. yes, Shashu. Salute and Chashu passed away. Yeah, Chashu passed Shashu. away. My beloved seventeen-year-old Chihuahua. My yes, my who was a, who was a guest on the show at one time? A and, couple uh, times. Yeah, a couple, couple times. Yeah. An incredible little man, and uh, uh, we loved him. The little yeah. dude. Yeah. I know it was really hard on you, Eric, and I'm oh. really sorry about that. I oh. cried so much, my left eye swelled up. I couldn't see out of it. No, I hear you. I, hear I you. was rubbing my face. I was so upset. No. no. And then I took sticks and it was being nice. Yep. <laughs> but I didn't do that. 
it feel sucked. Your it's, you never get over it. I never had a pet before, so this was a big one. Uh, he yeah. the, he was he was a plus. Uh, and was, I, I, I salute Shashu. Shashu was, was an amazing Shashu like five pounds, dude. That guy controlled me. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. He really uh, he really had it going on. And seventeen, 17 years though, that's a good that's that's it's a good long, long run for a dog. Man. Good long run, man. That's, that's a good long run. Well, we fed him fresh salmon and and yeah. turkey breast. These are Pete, not not bad with rice and manchego mm -hmm. cheese sometimes. Nice. So he had mm -hmm. the good black truffles, black truffles, <laughs> black truffles but he did love salmon, just love salmon. God bless him. God bless mm -hmm. him. I hope I live to be 17, man. That is a good, that's a red well, dog age. Yeah, but, that's right. Yeah. However that works out. <laughs> like, I think, I think, in dog, I think in human years, right? that's like 125. It's very serious. That's very serious. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you were you were a good daddy to him, and I'm I'm uh, sad Thank that he's gone. Much. But he was a wonderful, wonderful dog, man. My he, little dude, yeah, really loved guy. him. Thank you for that. But yeah, I was actually between that and Bogdanovich, man. I was Bogdanovich really bummed me out yesterday, two days ago. I, I yeah. really loved that guy. I thought he was such an amazing talent. I was sort of late books. to appreciating his films, and I'm and I'm glad that uh, you actually. Uh, uh got me into uh saint jack which we uh talked about here um this which, uh, book right here which is uh there slow it is. on twitter who the devil made it yeah who the devil made it is yeah. a masterpiece book i read so many film books in my life dan i'm sure you've read six mm -hmm. times as many but this to me is the greatest film book ever made yeah Book yeah, on filmmaking yeah, because it, all it is is just saying, and so much of it is just instinct. Mm -hmm. You know, these great directors, Cooper, Aldrich, Hitchcock, Chuck Jones, Leo McCrary, Preminger, yep. um, Joseph von Sternberg, it's Don Siegel. It's just yep. instinct. Yep. Like, all these guys. Did yeah. It? yeah, let's get it out. Yep. Let's not overthink it. And yeah, that's like you, you can you can sit it with like all of uh, all the great. Uh, director's great films like that it's like with spielberg with spielberg when he when his movies aren't good it's when he thinks too hard and there's too much like chit chat and screenplay and like all these things like when he just goes and films a movie does an incredible job but bogdanovich always had that like Bog bogdanovich was like you know he uh his production his output slowed down um but when he when he settled down to make a movie he would really make a movie and i was actually a big fan of even his later stuff like cat's meow i thought was pretty great uh, Owen and, Wilson, right? And uh, Mask, yeah, and um, uh, and that stuff. Mask really, is a great movie. Mask is a great movie. And, he also uh, did a great documentary called Running Down a Dream. I did not see that. I have not seen this yet. And it's a four-hour documentary on Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and yep. you can see it free online. Oh, that's great. And also, I, like, I... I really want to because uh, McMonkey Man just brought up like you know, he and I used to joke all the time about like Orson Welles coming crashing on his couch, uh, and uh, and if you want to see a great movie about Wells and Bogdanovich's relationship, it's on uh, Netflix. See the Love Me When I'm Dead, uh, and that will also make you watch uh, Wells' last film, which um, was edited and completed by Bogdanovich. Uh, called the other side of the wind but they had a very very long and complex relationship and it's uh it's really really fascinating fascinating story yeah what, what is uh, your what's your favorite of uh, bogdanovich's movies um paper moon paper moon is terrific mm -hmm. yeah. yeah paper moon to me is just beautiful i really uh, beautiful i really 
uh, I always feel bad uh, when I make fun of Ryan O'Neill because I remember he's so great in Paper Moon. <laughs> like he played himself, though. Yeah, I mean he's yeah, I mean he's there with his daughter and they're having a blast, and he is like, like, like it's like with other movies, like you know when uh, he's he's cast in Barry Lyndon. I love him in Barry Lyndon, but like there's kind of a mocking casting going on there. I think like Kubrick's like, look at this dingbat. He's perfect to play, you know, yeah. uh, perfect to play Barry. But uh, Paper Moon, like Bogdanovich, really, really, really liked him and really let him shine, and he is extremely fucking funny in that movie and that movie is literally perfect like it's and it's one of the best like movies that sketches out that period like the the 30s oh you know, Dust Dust Bowl. Bowl. yeah exactly i mean 100% i also wonder if cuz i've met um uh what's his name ryan o'neill yeah. i used to work out at his gym when i first moved here it was pro gym patrick ryan o'neill gym in brentwood my wife's store was across the street that's when i met her and um you know like robert town i met all those guys and um he was he's you know he had like a 30 year old wife and right hotsy totsy you know but i just i kind of always after talking with him a couple times like hey man i always felt and seeing him interact like possibly the genius of that was casting his daughter in paper moon oh yeah there's a certain restraint do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. right like he he knows how to be a father obviously he that is his daughter so there was some sort of like all of a sudden you're restricted yeah do you know what i mean like he was restricted and just be this core character and all the other stuff like what's my you know how do i know her all that was taken care of so all he had to do is just kind of be himself in a way and and kind of and it just was perfect because she was so good she was the star of the film yeah you know she's and she's terrific in that thing she should have had a bigger career she was she was incredibly talented i know what happened with that yeah i don't know unless i can't remember the last thing i saw her in like a circle of two maybe with uh with uh richard burton i got burton on the mind for watching uh uh cleopatra that's fair yeah and you know it's interesting um Bogdanovich went through a period, you know, because he was dating Dorothy Stratton. Oh, yeah. And he just kind of ended up living with Dorothy Stratton's sister. And apparently he lived with her when he broke his hip three years ago. And, um, you know, in their, in Toluca Lake. Right. And, right. Uh, but it's um, in my neck of the woods. Yeah. But he uh, he really had he was an incredible historian. Um, and. I think a lot of the stuff that he's done to capture a lot of those guys before they passed away in the '60s when he was with Esquire or something, is matches his his you know formidable talents as a director. I mean, he's, yeah. he'll be remembered at two fronts, which is right. un, unusual. Not yeah. just a great director from the '70s. You know, he was like a you know documented that era before it was gone because nobody else was gonna cover it the way he covered it. Yep. No, absolutely and, true. Um, well, that was a beautiful period for America. And we lost Sidney Poitier. I was just like, holy moly. Yeah, I know. You know? Well, yeah, po- Poitier was uh, one of the early, like, because one of my one of the, my early exposures to uh, 70s film is um, uh, uh, In the Heat of the Night. And uh, it's actually actually sixties, very late sixties, but like it's, it's in, it's in that transitional period uh, for Hollywood. And it like, he was 
like he's so shockingly commandingly good in that movie um that i was a lifelong lifelong fan of his work and uh and he sort of set the standard for this like uh this kind of presence in movies that you don't really see which is like like a very moral stern moral presence like you showed up and you're like yeah, get your shit together. <laughs> you know, like that's like that's how you feel when he showed when he showed up on screen. And I've and I've I've loved him, loved him and everything he ever did. And he was also a pretty good director. Like he he directed like Stir Crazy and stuff like this. Like he's a, he like, did do Stir yeah, Crazy. Yeah, it's like super fun, you know. So he had uh, he had a very light right. touch. But what a wonderful wonderful actor. And uh, and I also I saw I, I think maybe the movie I've seen most of his. It's not even a great movie, but it's there's something about it is the. Uh, the one with Tom Berenger, the thriller with Tom Berenger, where they they have to go up into the mountains. I forgot what that's called. Uh, is it like Mountain it's, Man? And it's hard, yeah, hard, hard target or something like it's like oh, it's this com- compulsively watchable thriller that I, I must have seen like twenty times in the theater when I was a kid. Really, really loved it. But yeah, Poitier was completely amazing. It was in, it's sad that those guys came like, you know, bang, 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 and it's like. Betty White dying on the last day of 2021. Uh, uh, like Betty lived a good long life, and uh, and I, you know that's that was a graceful exit. But I thought it was uh, unfair to start this year with uh, two two losses like this was was uh, not the best entry. No. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's 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 start getting it. I don't want to cut it short. And they definitely deserve their their credit their credit. But we shouldn't actually talk about the movies we want to get into some point so yeah the uh, the movies now i i gotta say i have mm-hmm. i totally fucking scruggs this one <laughs> both of them I, I didn't do it on both i know i watched walter mitty okay I was, I was forced as uh as uh as chris mm-hmm. noticed that the uh it's impossible to get stranger than fiction it's completely impossible it's, it's impossible anywhere. to get it yeah and i'm gonna very much admit this so i watched it off my friend's twitch uh uh, uh plex server but he mm-hmm. owns the film he just has a plex server mm-hmm. so to me it feels like i borrowed his dvd sure that's the way it feels I think like that's it. reasonable I think that's okay <laughs> that's, that's so we're gonna spin it yeah that's how i'm gonna spin it but yeah. yeah so um but i hadn't seen it since it was in theaters but i have been obsessed with walter mitty recently oh yeah i just i've watched it like three or four times uh and it's it, listen it's not a fabulous work of art although i could argue that it is in, in a lot of ways i think it's a uh, very earnest movie it's a really it's, good movie. it's an incredible yeah. movie in a lot of ways but yeah. to be honestly emotionally speaking is what i needed right now <laughs> yeah. i feel that it is the movie that felt good to watch with great moments and it's the kind of there's a there's a subtlety to the comedy with the uh, emotional comedies that i think that these both these films uh lend themselves to in a lot of right. ways right and then i was thinking about what's the natural evolution of this and i think there's the my, there's a follow-up to these two movies that i think would be an interesting combination and that is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind yeah that's and i was going to bring that up that's in the same ballpark as well for sure and and then go all you take that one step further and you go to being john malkovich <laughs> science of sleep the science oh, yeah, of sleep so, is that's yeah. a pretty good one i like that movie. yeah another, another great uh, yeah uh, I love that film from the same screenwriter. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's a pretty good. Yeah, one. Uh, Eternal Sunshine is uh, great. That is a right. legit. I think for me, one of the greatest films I think that has been made in fifty years. I think that is a 
That's very incredible. Yeah. yeah. And if you're not, it, and that's the other thing also. I actually watched, recently watched Truman Show as well. And it's like there's a certain thing when you take the, the crazy comedians and you put them into these different roles. It's just uh, unexpected things happen. I think yeah. Jim Carrey was kind of an interesting Jim Carrey was put on the earth for those two movies. I don't care whatever else he does. Yeah, yeah. You, you can yeah. talk about, you know, whatever, uh, you know, Cable Guy, whatever else he did. Right. But those right. two movies are especially Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Oh. It's it's all it's it's almost uh, like and I, I, like uh, and to go to bed for Truman for a little bit. Truman's a much more sort of it takes a while to under like to really see how great that movie is because on the front end it's just sort of silly. It feels like a regular right. Jim Carrey movie. But like now when I watch it, I'm like, this is a wildly profound film that's mm -hmm. hiding as a as a jokey Jim Carrey movie. Um, right. And uh, and Eternal Sunshine is just like fl flat on, on its surface. You, you're immediately aware of how great it is. Like it's right. Like it, does, it doesn't. It's just like it's right there. And if you don't, if you don't like it, you're not going to like it ever. <laughs> right. It's, uh, that's, right. That's true. It's very, very true. But uh, Ben Stiller is one of these guys where I always like Ben Stiller. I love his TV show. There's various TV shows they did, but the Ben Stiller mm -hmm. show, yeah, way back when. And he's sort of like he's a little hit or miss for me in terms of movies. Um, like I'm like I don't like him in Royal Tenenbaums that much. Uh, like Greenberg, I, I think he's actually quite good in Greenberg. You know, like he when he when he leans on. Uh, uh, and he leans on his on his personal strengths rather than his comedic strengths. Then he, for me, he hits better. And because uh, like mm. his comedy is great when he just does raw comedy like his show. But or something I, about Mary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's that's right, really good yeah. stuff. Or meet but, the parents or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, just like that's like that's that's really that's really good. But like uh, it's a little invasive when he's trying to do, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, someone's handing me sushi. Thank you. The <laughs> uh, it's a little invasive when there's like a you know a serious movie and then suddenly it's a Ben Stiller movie, you know, like a, a Ben Stiller comedy in the middle of a serious movie. And I think well, Alter Mitty is one of the few movies where he sort of balances both of these kinds of Ben Stiller well, right? Know? And uh, and like there's a, there's a couple of things that I think kind of cross the line a little tiny bit. But for the mm -hmm. most part, like he brings his comedy into this in a successful and positive way. And in the end of the movie, I feel like this is a really good movie. This isn't just a good jokey movie. Yeah. The thing that's that your I, first time? I hadn't seen Walter. I had seen it once before and I really liked it. This is the first time since I've seen it in the in not in theater. Maybe in theaters. I don't know. But first time since it came out. It was watching it over and over again for some reason obviously like i said it was the right thing that i needed to watch at the time mm -hmm. uh but it's gorgeous it's yeah it's beautiful. so beautifully shot yeah i agree 100 percent. yeah like the, and there's a real um like the the color correction on this thing like is it's so it's both really sharp and like crystal clear and very vibrant but it doesn't leave reality the way that sometimes movies today do. Like it's right. sort of, it's like everything is, everything is very vivid and very like exciting looking. Yeah. Um, but he also, they do like clever things, but don't overdo it. Right. Yeah. Like they, they do these transitions that are epic. 
like right. the transitions of like the plane landing and the thing and the, all of that stuff is amazing. But even the thing where like he's in the middle of Iceland at the Papa John's, right? And then he gets the text, <laughs> right. the text message, and it's written on the side of the mountain because yeah, it's, it's such beautiful. heavy news. Yeah, it's beautiful. Actually, and then, and like, was, the, the, the but they only do in, that once. They only do that right. once. You know what I mean? It's right. like, but just, yeah, yeah, because they use the the they they bring text in. They do sort of like in Panic Room. They layer the text in in the yeah. beginning. They start that right. in on the, over the credits. But Stranger Than Fiction does the same thing at the beginning of the credits too. Right, and so like it has this very, like it's uh like it's so subtle in Stranger Than Fiction that I almost missed it the first couple of shots. Like they just lay the text in in very tiny little sections, and they really what make you mean it... in Walter Mitty. I'm sorry, in um, in uh, Walter Mitty, and yeah. uh, and uh, and it's just it's so gently put in there and so well matched in there. Yeah, that I think I missed the first two credits. I had to go right. back and, and flip through it again to watch it. Uh, but it's really they do it like that kind of thing can be a little like I uh, like I loved it when sort of Fight Club started that stuff with the IKEA shot, right? Right. Uh, uh, but uh, I it's it can be overdone. Uh, but in this one, it's both big and subtle at the same time. It's sort of a nice right. little, it's a nice little blend, which also basically mirrors the comment I made about Stiller himself. Like, he brings in his Stillerness, but he doesn't get in the way of the movie like he yep. does in some other movies. The one, the, so they did. It was very, Stranger to Fiction was actually mostly known for that gag of the graphics going on top of everything. That was very well known for that. That was done by MK12, which was a pretty big graphic design company mm -hmm. at the time. Maybe still is uh but it was kind of an interesting thing well let's get into walter mitty because you didn't scrub that one too much is any anyone <laughs> anyone in the in the chat not seen this movie or not heard of the movie or thought about it or or whatever or and like the movie any comments let us know uh but this is based on a short story uh and there was a uh, an earlier version 1948 am i right with danny k yeah i believe that's yeah true. very old yeah I think you're right about that. And, 40, uh, yeah, 48. Now, I I didn't, it's, it, that's available. I didn't watch it. I was kind of going to rewatch it. And I started watching it. it was, it's very Danny Kaye goofy comedy, right? Yeah. In a lot it's, of ways. Right. And it focuses heavily on them. On know, the imagination thing. On the imagination. Right. Which I thought was, that's, so th th this is a point I wanted to bring up about it. It's like, I think it's brilliant that they made this story they started off with that, but they abandon it. They don't abandon it, but they, they make it way less intrusive and goofy. Right. Yep. Very quickly. Yeah. No, there, there's the a journey. few big scenes. Yeah. There's a few big, like, baba, like these mm -hmm. are giant fantasy scenes. But right. as soon as he makes the decision to get on the road, like they more or less go away. Like right. all the big stuff definitely fits. Except out. for the helicopter scene, which I want to get to later, but that one was that's one of the best ones of all time. That's just right. amazing. Right. Uh, okay, so if anyone no one's seen if anyone hasn't seen this movie, let's just get into it a little quick because this is what we do. We talk about uh, these movies you never got around to seeing and now you don't have to. So uh, <laughs> that's our slogan. Um, so so this is a story of a character whose name is Walter Mitty. He is uh, played by Ben Stiller. This movie is directed by Ben Stiller as well. Uh, and it takes place uh, in New York, right? Something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but he is a very um, mild-mannered, quiet, introverted character who works at Life magazine. And uh, when he arrives to work, 
he is uh, finds out that they've been acquired and they're going to dot com their company, right? So the magazines are dead. Is the kind of the idea here? Uh, when was the movie made? Eleven. Twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Okay. So twenty thirteen. Yeah. Anyway, he works in what's called the negative asset room, which means he manages all the neg the film negatives that are the film that go on Life Magazine. And Life Magazine, if you guys don't know who aren't from the United States. Uh, Life Magazine was very famous for its uh, photogra photojournalism in a lot of ways. It's one of the most famous magazines about, with photography or world events or things that were happening. Um, and big deal. And so it turns out that they got this news and they know that there's going to be a bunch of layoffs and people are going to be let go. Uh, but uh, we also find out that in his loneliness and isolation, he has an aging mother uh, who he's trying to take care of, a uh, eccentric sister who wants to be an actress, and he is has a crush on someone at his work who works in accounting, and has decided to join eHarmony. <laughs> I love this part, <laughs> the eHarmony, because he overheard her in the rec room that she was on eHarmony. So he basically goes onto eHarmony to try to see if he can match himself up with her. Uh, but uh, he's having technical problems, so he calls technical support for eHarmony and gets in touch with tech support, who and the person in tech support, clearly by the voice, which is the best, you know is Patton Oswalt, like, like immediately. Like right, Oswald. right, right. <laughs> God bless that dude. I love Pat. But obviously, yeah, you know, his, his voice is so recognizable. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's the, there's certain cameos that like <laughs> it's like that you don't even need to see Patton Oswalt. No, in, yeah, ultimately you do, but like yeah, the this like you see the shape of his his face. Hey, in your buddy! Mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just the way he says things. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, hey, we're gonna, yeah, exactly. We're gonna round out your profile here. It says you haven't done anything in your life. <laughs> right. so, so what have Ever. you done? And that's kind of like <laughs> I mean, it's so obvious where this is going. Right? It's like you haven't done anything in your life. Hmm, maybe you should do something, right? And so, right. Uh, but anyway. We also find out that he has a wild imagination and he zones out while he's imagining these glorious, heroic things in his life, right? That he's going to do, uh, like saving uh, uh, his secret crush's dog from a burning building, that kind of scenario. And he does these very dramatic imaginary sequences that he gets involved in. Um, then he goes to Life Magazine, and as say they're letting people go. And the big thing here is that there is a very uh, reclusive or photographer, or reclusive or hard to find, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's always he's all, always way the hell out in the middle of nowhere. Well, uh, yeah. So you, they yeah. don't know where he is, but as he sends things, he sends his photographs directly to. Uh, uh, ben Stiller because he is the guy that has that he trusts with his film uh, and so he sent a and apparently he's a very famous phot photographer as we get, gather from here and he sent him a roll of film and he goes take a look uh, and and, and a, on a wallet as a thank you and he goes take a look inside you know you've always been a great friend you know I heard things are bad uh, number 25 that's the new that's the best shot out there Right, and so this is the yeah, this is the this distills the entire meaning of of everything he's ever done. This one thing, this, this very one, part. this one one 
uh, photo 25 on the negative is the one thing that he is the most important thing. And so he goes, huh? And right at that happened, it's like, we just heard that so-and-so delivered film and that negative 25 is going to be our new our, our cover for the last episode. Come up here right now. And they can't, he looks and then 25 is missing from the role. They don't find right. 25. Right. I'm like, oh shit, oh shit. Anyway, so uh, they they kind of make an excuse, oh, we're still processing the film or something like that. But then they look all over the place and they decide to make a contact sheet of the other shots and they use that to sort of find a mystery of where the photographer is so they can try to figure out where 25 is. So they have to find a photographer. That's really where the story kind of takes off is that he decides that he has to go on this uh, quest to find them. And they figured out that based on doing the blowing up a few photographs and finding stuff, they find the name of a ship and the ship's port and it's in Greenland. So he goes to Greenland. <laughs> To do it and this is a person who's never gone anywhere in his life so he's never really right. he's went to phoenix once that was the only trip he made according like to that was the best thing you could think of for the you know, harmony profile is like well, i went to phoenix, phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> no no disrespect to phoenix i was just in phoenix for the first time and i fucking love phoenix love the phoenix yeah, yeah, really? it's fine. i did yeah but yeah that's 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 one man's opinion <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're not gonna get uh phoenix google phoenix reviews it probably won't get the dance runner right but he's also got he's finally sort of made a slight connection with the person in accounting because he sort of recruits her to try to find where the billing comes from or whatever for the photographer and so she's starting to help him out and so he's opened up the lines of communication with her uh, a little bit and her son as well who's a skateboarder who's into skateboarding which is kind of cool um anyway he ends up in greenland which is kind of like, I guess, can I, I just say like the photography of Greenland, it's like very desolate, but very beautiful at the same time. One of the characters yeah. in Greenland says, dude, there's like eight people in Greenland. And <laughs> I saw in the trivia that there are only eight Greenland characters in the movie. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty subtle. That's pretty subtle. That's cool. Do you know who I that guy there. is? No. Do you know who that guy is? Uh, no. So it's the guy. It's the guy who, who's the helicopter pilot who's also drunk at the bar, mm -hmm. uh, and he is. Uh, if you guys have seen uh, 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 Lady Dynamite, that's her husband in Lady Dynamite. I've still never seen Lady Dynamite. I am told yeah. that this is fantastic. Yes. He is an Ice. Okay. He's Icelandic, I think. Uh, yeah. Oh, so he doesn't mind making fun of the Greenlanders. <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, I guess, but uh, yeah, he's he's quite a character. Uh, yeah, but yes, very, very funny. Uh, one, okay, one, oh, we should notice the, the, the villain here. That's the one thing I don't really like. The villain is too much of a villain, like character, you know what I mean? Like he's mm -hmm. an annoying person. But basically there's a character who's uh, the director in charge of the transition, basically the guy who's going to lay off everyone at Life Magazine as they transition to the new thing. He's just such a super asshole, typical film villain. Yeah, guy. there wasn't much nuance yeah. to him he just played he, this the actor is a film. good actor i love he is. He's yeah in, he's he's very he's good been, he's in parks uh, and recreation he's very and he's very down very and eastbound and down or whatever yeah. he's right that but the writing is very thin when it comes to him yeah it is it is but he makes fun of him because obviously as we established earlier walter Mitty tends to go into these trances as he imagines these crazy things and kind of zones out right and so <laughs> he he is like you know 
of ground control to Major Tom and like tries to like flip uh, paper clips at him to try to wake him up. And it's kind of. By the way, both movies had such great soundtracks. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> yeah, both nice. of them. Yeah, yeah. This, this both of them had great soundtracks. So I'll, I'll uh, take your word on the second one, but uh, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, Spoon, Spoon uh, was uh, featured heavily on the second one. Uh, Excellent. But, uh, and anyway. the second one also had the jam. Oh yeah, they did have huge the jam, right? Paul Weller yeah. fan. I mean, it just was like when I first yeah. saw it, I was blown away because like you never hear the jam in movies. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, oh, and uh, the female interest is played by uh, Kristen Wiig, right? Kristen Wiig. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a fair number of like. Uh, and his a, mom is Shirley MacLaine, and she's fantastic in this. Right. <laughs> she's um, just she's like the, the perfect mom in a lot of ways. Like, no, she's great. I mean, I'm sure she just rolls in and does all that stuff in like a day. She yep. like, that's yeah. just who she is, you know. And yeah. then the the sister is um, uh, oh, right. I can't think of the actor's name. She's also from uh, on the, uh, WandaVision. She's the uh, oh right. She's the no. she's the she's the neighbor who turns out turns out as the evil witch. Is the, the evil yeah exactly the villain in mm -hmm. WandaVision. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, like the, the cast is really, it's really solid through this whole thing. And, mm -hmm. um, and like everything, like everything about the movie is just, not, is, is just good. Like everything is just like every moment of the movie is like, uh, professionally tightly made. But the yeah. thing that really brings it across for me is that I can tell that Ben Stiller, this means a lot to him. Like this movie, he cares what it says. He cares about what it's saying, like more than anything. And yeah, it comes through all the time, all the time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Every, every time. So? Um, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure what it's like. I know he's there. Like, there is a sense. There's a sense of desperation with his family, right. but a bond with his family that totally comes through in a very subtle way, right? Like mm -hmm. his like. That there was a great scene that towards the beginning that I thought was really telling about how the family operated together. You know, yeah. he he basically like he just tries to organize. Like I'm just trying to he's trying to organize everything. He's the guy who's like trying to just get the shit together, right? And the sister is always like the dreamer. She wants to play Rizzo in Greece or whatever, you know. And they're mm -hmm. all doing whatever, and they're together. They're trying to get trying to figure out where they're going to put his mom into uh, you know assisted living. And uh, they're going through all the stuff, and the mother says, "Like, they're, you're just like you were always the working boy. You always like, you know, took care of the family when 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 you needed you to." And then he goes, "My working boy and my dreamer girl, you know, like." And and she said that in the the nicest way, you know. Yeah, but you're like, oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But, but we yeah, found no. out basically his father died when he was young. And right. that yep. really affected him in a lot of ways. Right, right. And it's uh, right. like when when he makes big decisions in the movie and makes a, a decision to leap into the next section of the movie, like the movie becomes really propulsive. You know, it almost mm -hmm. becomes like a music video, like an inspiring music video. Right. And I think you could probably even just watch those segments of the film and watch them and be inspired. Like they're so, right. like they're so energetic and so beautifully shot and the music is so good that you're just like carried away. You know, when he right. when he finally is just like I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking do this, like that's that's the real heart of the movie. Is these uh, there's like four or five big segments like that that I think are just right. fantastic work. Right, right, right. Well, so so when he gets to Greenland, he knows that he's trying to figure out. He's in a town called Nuke N U U K, 
and he rents the two car one of the two cars that are available at the the <laughs> right. at, the, uh, at the rental car and then he red goes, car and a blue car <laughs> the red car and a blue car and he's like hey man yeah this uh, you know native american looking character is like super cool and she was like yeah just go to town so he goes to the local bar in heliport uh which is <laughs> right there in the town center and uh he orders a giant like he orders a drink because he's trying to get information about the mail and trying to find a photographer uh and they're like no you you know doesn't really give much information it's like no he went on the ship so he knows he's on the ship uh but he at the same time there's a guy who's very very huge guy very very drunk who is doing karaoke and it kind of gets into his face and starts attacking him <laughs> and then as right. he looks at him he looks at him and he looks at his finger, his thumb. He notices a ring, and he sees a ring and a thumb, and that was one of the frames on in one the of the photographs. Hmm. In the photographs, like, oh my god, I can't believe I found a thumb. He goes, "There's only eight people in Greenland." There's only eight people. It's pretty easy to find <laughs> <Right>. a thumb. <laughs> yeah. And we and we should throw in there that uh, the photographer that there that he's sending for is played by Sean Penn. It's Sean Penn, yeah. And so like, like it's it's on the it's on the nose cast. You're on Sean a search Penn of is, Sean Penn. It's right. like already right. like he's an right. elusive character to start right. with as a person, right. you know. Right. So, so that's like, also a really kind of a very well. And cast. and he has that like like Penn's great. Like his face is just great. Like you dirty up his yeah. face and you have him looking point yeah. seriously at something. That was typecasting. Like, it it's, it's typecasting. It's great. Yeah. I, I love Penn as an actor, but this is not this is not this movie doesn't really feature him as an actor so much as like. And he's in like one scene really yeah but, but the whole the whole thing is about searching for him <laughs> right exactly exactly yeah uh so but the big guy uh turns out is extremely drunk uh and says don't cheat on your girl when there's only eight people in the whole town <laughs> <laughs> good advice which is hilarious good advice and then they're talking about how do i get to the ship and he's like can i call them and he's like, no, their their radio's out. So that's I gotta get on get in the hell so the big drunk guy. I gotta get in a helicopter and drop them radio parts. So that's why you can't get in touch with them. He goes, I'm gonna leave like in a few minutes. <laughs> and he's clearly really drunk. drunk. Really, really drunk. He's like, yeah, <laughs> so, I gotta... so there's like so you're gonna uh, um finish that beer and uh, then Get on a helicopter and fly a helicopter. In a storm. In a storm. It looks like he a goes, storm coming. He's like, yeah. He goes, really yeah, that, that storm's <laughs> that storm's not looking too good. I better have another beer. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna drink. I'm pretty afraid of that storm. I'll be honest. <laughs> so uh so he starts to take off and he realizes this is his only chance to do that. At which point is one of the greatest moments I think to like to, for the film was when that's the sort of like the pivotal switch where it turns and basically he goes into one of his imaginations mm -hmm. and he imagines uh, Kristen Wiig starting to play Major Tom <laughs> on guitar. That was a great scene. It was yeah, she, like, she she suddenly shows up at the karaoke that the fat that the fat drunk guy was singing right. and like she's got a guitar and she's like 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 where the hell did you come from and then the scene gets bigger it's like bigger, hey bigger. hello nuke <laughs> <laughs> so good and she just starts to play acoustic version of Major Tom and slowly he gets up and she slowly walks him out the door 
and the music of you know the the original version of the song with David Bowie starts to ramp up and he starts to get excited about it and the helicopter blades are going and he just runs for the helicopter as the guy's going just at the pinnacle moment as the helicopter takes off and it plays it's just crazy good scene <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah a, it's pretty great it's pretty funny yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway he ends up on the ship no he ends up in a helicopter but then tries to get on the ship but there's no place to land so he tells him just jump on the ship but he ends up just jumping into the water almost gets attacked by a shark they rescue him <laughs> they say it's a porpoise too yeah. <laughs> well it's one of the key key lines in the movie it's just like don't be afraid of the part of the purpose don't be don't be afraid of the purpose don't be afraid of purpose right is what is being gotten across in the sequence right but of course it's also with a shark attack shark <laughs> it's attack. not a purpose it's not a purpose yeah it's a shark attack but uh anyway he ends up they get him on the ship but he also loses the radio parts so it's like yeah well now we have to go to iceland to get the radio parts mm. which is good because he figures out that that's where uh the photographer is right um uh, and so it's what, I mean, this is what you would call a shaggy dog story. Like it is like, a shaggy dog story or a journey story of some kind. Yeah, like it's like you know that like he's all the places he's going are not the place where he's going to find Sean Penn. He is only going to find right. Sean Penn at the end of the movie. That's the, the only way end. it works. Right. We know that's just what's going to yeah. happen, but right. he's going to have life changing experiences everywhere he goes. Yes, it is. It is a. It's not. It's not the destination. It's the journey, baby. That's very right weird, for sure. Uh, but I do love the character that he runs into on the boat who's like the Icelandic fisherman guy. He's just oh, yeah. like the nicest guy. Yeah, he's just super sweet. He's just like, super oh, he's sweet. from America and starts doing all these weird he's American... Like, hey, Fonzie! <laughs> Fonzie, hey! <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, he's just like, he's still, like, he's not putting him down. He's just excited about having an American yeah. on board. Yeah, it's so fun. So much yeah. fun. And then he talks about the photographer and then the photographer... He says, yeah, he got some really good cake. You want some? And he says, yeah. And he goes, oh, this is Clementine cake. My mom makes this cake. So he goes, yeah, he, he brought it over. He goes, that's really good. And then he looks at the piece of paper that was wrapped in there and he sees more clues again. So this is the journey right. of where he goes on the. Where is trip. Sean Penn? And he has. Where is Sean? Penn? Yeah. Where in the world is Sean Penn? Right. Because um, I mean, to, to, to clarify, like he has been working essentially for Sean Penn. The entire time he's been at Life Magazine. For 16 years, yeah, yeah. Right. And so, like, he's never really interacted with Sean Penn and like, never any seen other him way directly, never met exactly. him in person. Yeah. Um, but, like, he's like, like, they've, they are in touch with each other constantly over Sean Penn's journeys. Right. And, and, uh, and but so he that's doesn't an, go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. But he yeah. himself never goes anywhere. Exactly. Sean right. Penn is living the life that he should be leading. leading. Right. So, uh, so he ends up, uh, in Iceland. And I've been to Iceland, and it's just anyway, it's one of the most incredible places on the planet. Honestly, this movie is an excellent ad for Iceland. It is stunningly beautiful in this movie. Yes, I think it's as you're saying, stunningly beautiful in real life, also. But like yes. the movie is just like holy jeepers, creepers. Yeah. Well, the thing that's interesting about Iceland is that it looks very ancient, but it's ironically not. It's very new planet, right? That's why it looks so ancient is because it's actually very new land, right? Huh. Like it's the volcanoes. It's like Iceland is made up of like 35 volcanoes, right? Right, because like the landscape looks like primordial. 
you know, because right. it's like it's essentially fresh volcanic flow with right. brand new dirt that right. grows bright green plants. <laughs> so there's actually very, there's very a place that when I, when I was going through Iceland, uh, there's a place that I was driving. You, you know, when you look at those uh, those topographical maps of the of the planet, and you mm -hmm. see the, the 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 renderings of what the where the the tectonic plates take connect uh, right. under the ocean right right so there is literally that you that comes out of the of the water and goes right down the middle of iceland like you can literally see these this these cracks of things coming together and there's like a road that goes right through it i'm like i just drove through two tectonic plates it's just yeah, it's insane, insane. yeah yes. but like i i've uh, i've never been to iceland but like as i'm a map painter and many things are shot in iceland now because it's yes. gorgeous like i have like i'm constantly looking through iceland ref that i'm given from the whatever movies you know like photography is and uh and some of the stuff i'm, I'm just like i would be afraid to live here like not only am i not beautiful enough to live here but the the oh. earth is obviously uh, it's churning constantly and i'm just like this is right. like shit's just lava is just coming up out of the earth yeah <laughs> on fire well, i think like 80 percent of their energy comes from geothermals oh sure like, yeah makes yeah. sense <laughs> makes sense beautiful god beautiful yeah. place though it's a beautiful place anyway so he's in iceland and uh he knows that he's in this <laughs> oh the other one that cracked like karen and i are cracking up because every word in iceland every name of a place is like 37 letters or something crazy right? <laughs> and these unpronounceable things uh and so he's like <laughs> i think i like the guy keeps replacing it's like <laughs> it's like it's like that's the name of a volcano it's like okay and so he's trying he arrives german before, minus the vowels <laughs> or it's all vowels whatever it is but it's like <laughs> and so it's like he's just go he's trying to find a place and he can't pronounce it but anyway he ends it up on a bicycle uh and oh we also find out uh has <laughs> that yeah that's yeah something like that mcmonkey man he wrote it in a chat it's hilarious um <laughs> uh the uh, uh the other thing uh that he uh, not pure. <laughs> he he we find out that he was really into skateboarding and then his dad was you know, really supportive of the skateboarding thing and then he had to give it all up when his dad died the first thing he did was get a job to support his family as, right. as a 17 year old right? right but he was really into skateboarding and that was his scene that he used to be to as a, as a young kid mm -hmm. um and then he meets uh uh kristen wiggs son who's a probably i don't know like 14 year old boy uh right. who's really into skateboarding as well and sort of bonds slight you know very beginning of bonding about the skateboarding thing uh anyway he ends up near near the volcano where he's trying to find a champagne and he sees these kids one of them holding a longboard um and uh he decides to trade the boy the longboard for this stretch armstrong toy that he ends up on the journey with him somehow Right. So, but anyway, he ends up with this longboard, and he figures he was going to give it as a gift to the boy. Uh, and uh, he ends up at the top of the mountain to the volcano uh, uh, where there's a hotel, and he's trying to find the guy. And the guy says he's not here. He went to the airport at the bottom of the hill. It's like, oh great, he's at the bottom of the hill. And then, uh, so the guy's yelling at him, but Sean, uh, but uh, Ben Stiller's already ran off to try to find him, and he sees this 
typical Icelandic landscape. Mm-hmm. Beautiful rolling hill down this grassy area. By the way, Iceland is very green, but there's absolutely no trees. There's very, very few trees. In yeah, it's completely bald. Yeah. Yeah. Because because trees are eaten by, by volcanoes. <laughs> no, it's actually because the Vikings, uh, believe it or not, took uh, it. Stripped, stripped they deforested. Wow. Yeah, they deforested all of Iceland. That's the way Malta is with trees because oh, yeah. of the Romans. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep, that's right. And uh, so, and uh, uh, Madagascar is because of us. Yes. Well, <laughs> Madagascar had it coming. So that's right. Now I'll teach Madagascar. you to post those things on Twitter, Madagascar. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And the same with the well, with all the the uh, Burma or uh, Myanmar, with all the uh, uh, orangutan forests are all deforested to yeah, palm oh, oil. Oh, thank God! Oh. Thank God we did that. Yeah, all that good. What would we do with that palm oil? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, first so uh, uh, so he has a longboard and he does he gets on the longboard going down the hill with the skateboard, which is I don't know I, I love that scene. <laughs> That's a beautiful scene actually. Yeah. Yep. And you believe it too. It wasn't like uh, there were some beautiful effects in this movie. Yeah. This was the first time I've ever seen it. Yeah. And I really really liked it. I really liked this movie. I don't know yeah, something about it. It's pretty caught right? me. It was beautiful, but I followed the journey. It wasn't a perfect film. No. But at the same time, it's such a well shot and well acted by Ben Stiller. And you just kind of rolled with it. And much right. like what you guys were talking about earlier, you can just always put on, you know, um, Dan, you always put on your movies no matter what. There's a few right. movies that you just love. Right. And it's the same thing, but I liked it. I was shocked because when I saw the posters when it first came out, I was like, I'm not going to see that. Right. And I didn't, but it's a shame because it's a really beautiful film and you follow it. And Sean Penn, I love, always love Sean Penn. You know, you know you're know, you the one who inspired me to get back into this movie because I, after watching uh, The Razor's Edge, this is like, I kind of wanted to see this movie again as well, you know, mm-hmm. because yeah. it's relatable to, in a lot of ways. And so I watched it again because I was like, I wonder how this compares. And then I really just fell in love with the movie again. So that's why I ended up watching it over and over again. Speaking of The uh, Razor's Edge, I was listening to an interview with Bill Murray today. Oh, yeah? On the, uh, I'll share it with everybody. So I'll pull it up and share it. with. And he's with his son, Homer, at his restaurant. And it's from last week. <laughs> and nice. he's on the Eli Manning show. And I just hit it. And I did not know. He said... He's talking about his movies, and he said Stripes was actually written for Cheech and Chong. Really? And he said, "Now, my God!" And he's like, in the script on set, a lot of the dialogue was like, "Yo, man, hey, man, do you think we could do this?" You know, like, and he said we had to change it on set, (laughs) you know, because we don't sound like we're not Mexican. Yeah, and Chicha <laughs> had their own thing going on. We like, did very this, identifiable. and then he said, like, years later, I ran into Cheech Marin, and he's like, you know, I don't know why you guys didn't do Stripes, because it just, it, it would, have, would have worked with you guys. Mm-hmm. And Cheech Marin's like, what do you mean, Stripes? He's like, it was written for you. He's like, I never knew that. His agent <laughs> never even told him. Wow, wow, wow. that's wild. That's wild, dude. I'll yeah, share it's... with everybody. It just shows. I was. I walked away from that like, God damn it, these, like, because actually it would work with with them as well. 
Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like it, it's a, it's a, it would be a totally different and equally funny movie. I love uh, early Cheech and Chong is fucking hysterically funny, hysterically funny stuff. Uh, yeah. And like I think that like Stripes like leans like Stripes is a pretty good movie, but the entire movie is dependent on Bill Murray. Well, that's like, interesting you say that because he said that the DP they were kind of rushing through it. The DP kind of looked at everybody, looked at Bill, and was like. Okay, we're gonna focus on him. Yeah, and yeah. It, it really—it's like because that that and Meatballs is the same way. Like Meatballs is a terrible movie, except for when Bill Murray is like briefly there. Here's the interview, guys. I saw it this morning. It's so wonderful, and he's literally at his son's restaurant in Brooklyn. And oh, um, and it's interesting. He said there's a shows a picture of his son in Paris. That's when they were filming Razor's Edge. Oh wow, that's wild. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that's super cool. That's that's sort of nice that we're we ended last year with an inspirational movie. We're beginning this year with an inspirational movie. That's the yes. thing to do. He was great. My sister worked with him in around that time in 85, 86. because she worked for an architectural firm mm-hmm. and she worked with him. And she was even last over the vacation, she was telling stories. He would just come to the office in Connecticut in Greenwich, uh, where she worked. At a very prestigious small firm that did mostly homes for the, you know, um, Shokrino Wharton. Shokrino right. Wharton. But um, she worked for them between, because she was at Yale for architecture in grad school, but then she worked for them before and then after. And um, he would come in and he would pretend he would be like, I'm a washing machine and other things. He would just like hang out with all the architects. And she said it was just like he's constantly. He was constantly on, but wasn't trying to be on. He just was being creative. Yeah, and exactly. Eighty-five. Exactly. He was like, that's he at the height. The, he was king yeah. of the world, dude. Yeah, and he like, was just having fun. Yeah, because he <laughs> like he he obviously get you know like he's uh, incredibly famous and now and like is, is his own brand now, but he's not like a star in the way of like, you know, when he was you know in Ghostbusters, like that was like top of the world superstar kind of guy and then uh and then he sort of faded back into nothing by the middle of the 90s and uh and so now oh, it's what was nice the terrible movie the he man that wasn't there the man that wasn't there yeah the, like, the yeah, man that knew too little the, the man, man that knew too little, little. yeah exactly like, like he just sort of was fell into a rut of uh not great movies and you know just getting paid and you know doing his thing um but it wasn't until uh, uh wes anderson picked him up for rushmore and right. then um and then rushmore really uh, sets off a whole, literally a whole new life. Then he gets form. into his indie film role, yeah. right? He was doing yeah. that, and he was doing um, Broken Flowers. Yeah, exactly. Like he gets into a whole different scene, and he gets appreciated in the way that he should have been appreciated all along. And uh, like I just saw, uh, uh, he's um, he's essentially the editor of the faux New Yorker in uh, the French Dispatch, and he's uh, it's uh, he's, he's just great. It's like a, sort of a, he's not he's not in it very much, but he's he's really really great, and it's nice to see like he became he's become such a legacy personality now that if he shows up, you're just like oh Bill's here. <laughs> it's like you know it's like a it's like a little treat just to have Bill in the movie. Yeah, well, watch that video. He sings with these French students he just runs into in New York. And That's awesome. Really, he's a charmer. I oh, and the last story is I remember I think I said it before. It was like I remember my sister he. He called. They were starting building his 
place, which was just past the Geo Washington Bridge on Jersey side, this beautiful farmhouse, you know, renovate. It was gorgeous. It's a gorgeous place. And um, they're like, we're moving ahead. He's like, I, ha- I want to change the ground plan. They're like, Bill, we started pouring concrete this morning. He's <laughs> like, tell him not to add water. I'm on my way over. And right. he- <laughs> They literally had to rechange everything. I think he's just like, no, I don't, let's do it this way. And so they stopped and redid it in another six months. But oh tell God. them not to add water. I'm coming over. <laughs> God bless Bill. I've always been tempted to call, like try and find his number and call. Because that's how you get, yeah, 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 yep. see if you get the, uh, get the message machine. Because that's, that's the, the, the classic story is that that's how you cast Bill Murray. Is you, you call him, leave a message. He sorts through them and has you know, people sort through it. And whatever. So it's interesting is the thing that he does next. So I think we should call him about this podcast and get him on. I bet it would be a lovely, lovely time. Us and Bill. Can we get the number? The the (laughs) number is out there somewhere. It's got to be out there someplace. Chat, do you have the number? Yeah. If anyone has Bill Murray's phone number in chat, please leave it. Please just give it to us. Just just drop it in the chat, please. We'll call him him right now and leave a message for you. Absolutely. 555-BILL. (laughs) (laughs) Hire Bill. (laughs) Fine. Okay. Uh, what else? Uh, okay. So where where did we leave off? Going down the hill, the longboard, right? Right. Gets to the bottom of the hill, finds out that the guy at the top of the hill was trying to warn him that the volcano is about to go off. At which point the volcano goes off, and they escape the volcano, right? At which point he ends up at a Papa John's in Iceland. Of course, yes, makes sense. Which is to him depressing because that was his first job that he got when after his dad died, right? right? Uh, named after a father is what his mom says because of Papa. Uh, but um, I think one of the things that uh, 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 also I must have been trying to talk about John's down the hill. I don't remember that. Anyway. Uh, so, oh, he gets in touch with the eHarmony guy. <laughs> right, right. The eHarmony updates, guy. Up, updates his... Uh, to his update his profile. We profile. need to work on your been there, done that. It's like, oh, well, I'm in Iceland right now. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I got <laughs> attacked by a shark. He's like, listen, the imagination... No, I really got attacked by a shark. <laughs> Which is another cool thing that happens because he's, the things that happen to him, you're starting to wonder... Is he imagining that he's getting? I was going to bring that. This is my favorite thing. Is like because he starts doing amazing things, and you're like, "Hang on, is this like a? Is it? Yeah, Yeah. is this like a? Is this been? Like something is happening? Is it this or is this just uh, exaggerated? Right. But it's uh, like, and I think that like the the greatness of like especially the skateboarding scene that uh, you bring up. It's like. Like that's a photoreal experience, and right. uh, and, and the music the, drop the 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 music yeah. drop as he's going down the hill is like the most epic, gorgeous scene ever. Yeah, and it's like uh, like it really looks like Stiller is really doing a lot of the work himself. Like he's really skateboarding, and like he's really and like he's going pretty fast down a fairly steep hill. He's not actually. Uh, well, it gets like more than I can do anyway. Like I appreciate that it's this is a real moment. I I saw like, a tweet about to- from Tony Hawk speaking about the, how they did it and so someone there's someone who's like ben stiller like he is in a few shots oh man. a lot well, of the shots are not it's him, a very con- I'm, I'm thankful that's very, very convincing it's a very convincing gag very very convincing yes. gag because because like it's a uh like so much of the rest of the movie is so stylized in a beautiful way um that the uh it needed at some point 
to have something feel very grounded you know right. and uh, just so it could make an argument make the make the argument at the sort of the reality level as well not just like the here's the fancy shot with a, uh, like great framing the lovely music and all this kind of stuff and the crazy things that are happening like just have it be skateboarding is fun and here's something you could probably do i was like right. that's a that's a that's sort of a key ad to make this movie work you can't just have it be vfx go-go the whole time like you have to make it feel yeah. like a real event Crypto so Keeper Seven is asking if it was a head replacement. I don't know if it was a head replacement. I think if you look at the shots very carefully, the only time you really see his face is when they're head on and you don't really know how steep the hill is, right? right. So it could have been an easier part of the hill. And it's from the back when he's going around the turns and he put his hands Oh, when he's on doing the, the yeah, like I, I assume that that's like that's just stunt right. kind of stuff. Sure. It's not a stunt, it's a famous skateboarder as well. The other yeah. gag that they do, uh 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 Oh, it's Rob. <laughs> hey, Rob. Uh, the the other the other gag that they do uh, is he's the mom uh, or uh, Kristen Wiig is talking to her ex husband on the phone, and he's showing the the boy in the background how to do kickflips, right? Right. But he's right. out of focus. Yeah, that's right. You notice. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty clever, and it's like clearly like I was like that's got to be like Tony Hawk. But so I looked up Tony Hawk's tweet and it's like Tony Hawk, Walter Mitty tweet. Mm -hmm. um, and he talks about like anyone is like, I just saw the film. It's awesome. Uh, some nice uh, spots with so-and-so. And there's another famous skateboarder. Right. See if you can find them. So it's clearly that's the other skateboarder who did it, Yeah. which is great. Yeah. By the way, have you guys ever followed Tony Hawk on Twitter? No. no. Oh, it's I the funniest thing. I never would have. Even thought of it as a matter of fact, he, he is hilarious because uh, uh, his Twitter account is mostly about people either recognizing him or not recognizing him, <laughs> and it sounds slightly uh, uh, it sounds slightly like he's uh, you know, uh, bragging, but it's it's not, it's really funny. That's cool, that's good, like it's really, really funny. <laughs> I love, man, yeah, I love he's like, there's a lot of things. You look like that guy, Tony Hawk. There's a lot of that that goes on. Right. Right. And, or, or, and then like, uh, he's like somewhat, he's at the, he's at a, in an airplane and his, his skateboard is in the overhead compartment. And this one woman goes like, who brought their fucking skateboard on the plane? And he goes, I'm sorry, that's mine. And goes, and the, the woman looks at him and she just starts laughing because he's like an adult, right? Right, right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. it's like, it's Tony Hawk. <laughs> who the fuck do you think you are, Tony Hawk? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. It's yeah. You definitely follow him on Twitter. That's it's awesome. Really hilarious. Unexpected uh, and excellent. Unexpected as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, ends up at the bottom of the hill. Uh, yeah. So he ends up talking to the eHarmony guy, and clearly his life is starting to change a little bit uh, as he's going through this adventure. But he's now fixated, and. Uh, <laughs> uh uh she's now uh uh he's not fixed on finding kid but just as he's about to do this he gets a text message from his co-worker in the in the uh, in the lab in the negative yep. uh asset room he said i i got let go it's bad you got to come back so he goes back and it's bad it's not not good everyone's getting let go things are not going well his it's just uh, the whole situation's turned sour and all uh, what he thinks are the leads, he just can't find the next lead and he just doesn't know um, uh, what uh, what to do. Um, right. And uh, so he's kind of feels like he's at a dead end. 
but you know it's not it's just a third act of the film <laughs> <laughs> i feel i don't know I'm, uh, i feel like i'm at the third act of the film <laughs> yeah so so you know that uh so uh he's agging out at his mom's house i love this scene by the way i love this thing like he kind of gave up and this is just there was something kind of great about it like he felt like he kind of gave up and he had the wallet that you know the photographer sean penn gave him right and he throws it in the trash because he's given up right, right. for some reason i don't know why and the, but why did his mom end up with the wallet again because she keeps she all his knickknacks yeah, she keeps all his knickknacks she saves all of his stuff like his right. old tapes and his walkman and all that stuff right uh 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 anyway so he uh he uh, uh but she just he throws it in the trash and you notice the mom glancing at it but you you don't you it, you know you'll figure that out later right as right. after it goes in the trash but then he he uh one of the big things that his mom had was a piano like this big piano that was this thing that keep trying to save or whatever and there was one photograph that never really made any sense that looked weird and had these weird curves on it and then he finally like sits down he's looking at the piano and he's looking at the the, one of the photos and he turns it a certain way and he realizes it's a close-up photo of the piano <laughs> yeah right he's like what and it is like what <laughs> it is the piano. and it's got this it is not exactly because it's got the same notch chip right. out of it in the same right. exact place and he's like and he goes mom did so-and-so take a picture of your piano did sean Penn come here and take sean, a picture, sean of, Penn take a picture right. of piano? it's like no i did with his camera <laughs> <laughs> right like wait what he was here I was like, yeah. And then she's like, I told you. You did? He goes, yeah, but you were one of your dazes. So you Yeah, this is a, I really like this. The, that was a nice little touch right there. Like right. the stuff that he's missing when he's spaced out being pointed out to him is like is a great gag. Yes. Because like I was like the, the the like it's not it's not it's it's an okay coincidence that uh Sean Penn knows the mom because he works with Ben Stiller and like to have that connection, you're like, yeah, okay, I guess so. That makes sense. But right. it makes it entirely worth it that basically the scene is saying, you know, it's not just that you're spacing out. It's like you're missing. You're missing you know, out on life. You're missing out. Yeah, exactly. Important information. Not, yes. not just that, but important information. Right. Like you could have exactly. saved yourself a lot of trouble if you knew. Exactly. Exactly. You just came to me about it. <laughs> right. And I thought I thought that was a, a good, subtle way to to put that across. I'm also I'm also someone who has been told I told you that ages ago where you're not paying attention like it happens to me a lot and mm -hmm. i could relate to it and i felt bad for him really <laughs> it happens man exactly i think that's the thing is like he's you know like it it's it, it's a great it's a great metaphor to say like you know like it's one thing to you know it's bad enough to sort of like indulge in fantasies that you don't have the that you like instead of it instead of facing what you want to do just constantly daydreaming but to also point out, like your life slips by when that happens. Like the clock doesn't right. stop, you know. Yeah, and and, uh, and I think that that's the that was the that was a gentle way to make that point. Yeah, but I should I also point out that that from the 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 when he jumps onto that air onto that helicopter and makes mm -hmm. that leap, that's the last fantasy he has. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because after that, all the things that happen to him you start to wonder whether they're fantasies or not but you, and he makes a point of they're not fantasies right like when he gets back on a boat after being attacked by the way by that shark, jump there's no way we'd have survived no 
Yeah, well, yeah, or been in the water that long. In that's what I'm Greenland. saying. The water yeah, right. is yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a bit chilly. It's a bit cold. <laughs> but, a bit but, cold. He, but when he goes, to, like, they, they make a point that this is not a dream by him taking the guy who gets him on the boat and touches his face, like, oh my God, this is real. This really happened, right? Like, they right. make that point of saying that. So I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, anyway, so he. Uh, uh, so he realizes that his mom said, no, he was here. And uh, he, he, she helps him decipher the last few words, like where he actually is and figures out that he is in ungoverned Afghanistan, trying to find in the Himalayas, trying to find uh, snow leopards, take pictures of snow leopards. Right. Uh, so he gets on a plane to Afghanistan. <laughs> It's a globe hopping movie. That's the very idea. Yep, and uh, and you know goes through that journey, which was and... really Greenland, right? Yeah, it does I, look like Greenland. I don't know. I, where yeah, that I think they're probably they're probably making use of that same. So they got oh, it's some rock, you know, some scree on a big hill. That's, that's probably yeah. Gonna, that's and then a pic, yeah. and then we'll go to the you know the Washington D.C. Uh, zoo to take a picture of a snow leopard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's fine. Mm -hmm. It's in slow motion. Mm -hmm. No one notice. So sorry, I shouldn't be eating. Um, Anyway, um, so anyway, he's in Afghanistan uh, trying to find Sean Penn. And he is going on these journeys that clearly you wouldn't be doing by yourself. Right. Like crossing the Himalayas, like just really out there, really, really out there. And he's on this mountain ridge with like cliffs on both sides with very little oxygen. And then he gets a call from Patton Oswald about his eHarmony account. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course <laughs> Which is funny because that's the best time <laughs> to do that gag. And he's having an, an argument with with Patton Oswald saying, listen, I got to make some oxygen choices. I can't really talk to you <laughs> right, right now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he's like, but wait. And he's trying to tell him a few things. And then just as you hear that, you hear out of nowhere, you hear Sean Penn's like, Hey, buddy, can you keep it down? I'm trying to work here, <laughs> which is really funny. Right. Sean Penn is under a blanket with a big zoom lens, right? Like, and he's like, and he looks at him, he's like, I forgot the egg character's name, but he's like, What? It's like, it's me, Walter. It's like, How the hell did you find me? <laughs> he goes this whole journey, uh, anyway. So, that's the, the scene with Sean Penn, that's the pinnacle scene with Sean Penn, uh, which is a great scene, by the way. Like, mm -hmm. I, there's so much about the scene that I really love. One is you realize Sean Penn is not necessarily like the Dalai Lama, right? Right, right. Because he fucked up a little bit with the cryptic note. It was like, right. oh, yeah, where is the negative okay. 25? It's in your wallet, buddy. It's in your it's in your pants. You're sitting on it. Like, said, look inside. I said, oh, look inside. Oh. It's like, well, what could you do? That was very important. That was a little vague. Why not? It's very, yeah. Why not just be clear about that? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know what? I probably should have been better about that. I thought it was yeah. cute when I said I it. it you know, cute, like so. I, I loved how he's like, ah, I kind of screwed up on that. It's like, well, where's the wall? It's like, I threw it out. It was like, that kind of hurts my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just regular. You know, like, yeah, because you're like, basically, you're, you know, you're in the uh, Himalayas, which is, you know, it's, they're not in Tibet, but they're pretty close to, you know, like very spiritual country. And, and to find Sean Penn at the top of the mountain, it's like, ah, oh, now some wisdom. And he's like, eh, God, fuck that up. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. That's a pretty good guy. I like that quite a bit. 
And then, uh, you know, he talks about Snow Leopard, about being the, 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 the ghost of the mountain uh, and trying to find it. And uh, they see it through the lens. And he sees a picture and they see that and, and uh, uh, Ben Snow says, aren't you going to take a picture? And he goes, sometimes I don't. <laughs> right. Which right. I think is a good note, right? Mm -hmm. All you Instagram mm -hmm. people sometimes don't take the picture. <laughs> yeah, just be there and experience the thing that is happening for you. Yeah, so I'm in agreement with this philosophy By the way, myself. I forgot. I'm going to look it up. Is Life Magazine really still around? Or I don't sure know if Life Magazine is I was actually thinking about that, but yeah. I never looked it up. And I don't, I don't, never, I think that I, mean, I think they've sort of resurrected the brand uh, to sell, you know, like collections of great photos, magazines and stuff like that. But like life as an actual magazine where it's like, here's articles and photo essays and stuff like that. I think it's not at least what it, what it used to be. I think that that's pretty much gone. Wow. Okay. It was a life as an American magazine published weekly from mm -hmm. 1883 to 1972 yep. and as an intermittent special until 78. Monthly from 78 to 2000. Yeah. And that's that. Yeah. So it was, it was cool that they got the, the, they got the, the rights for that. I thought that made the movie work. Crypto well. Keeper 70 says it's back, uh, ironically. I was like, huh, interesting. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I remember I've seen it recently on, you know, in magazine stands, like at the checkout counter and, you know, getting groceries and stuff like that. Um, it, it looks like they lean pretty heavily on, like, it's a full collection of JFK's blah blah blah, and you're like, yeah, okay, not quite that, not quite what it was. I remember right. life being really quite something when I was a kid. I was like, well, was yeah, it was like it was like up. photographs of important life events. <laughs> yeah, around the world. Yeah, yeah. it was really something. Yeah. That National Geographic. Well, National you know, Geographic. somebody was yeah. talking to me about like I was listening to this discussion. Did I say this already? That Zebruder. Mm -hmm. They feel like the Zebruder film was like the first. Uh, viral video. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Sure. Yeah. Because he said it, you didn't really to you didn't really need to be a judge, or everything was so laid out there that you made up your mind instantly, and it convinced you. Right. And it was very real, and uh, that was the first time. Right. Yeah. Things were sense. like that. That makes sense. Because people uh, just look at that and just remember um, the film. Right. Yeah, no, that's uh, I remember the, the, the first time I saw that I was like, that was that may have been the first like really, you know, actual someone being killed footage that I ever saw. Like it was uh, it's very, very bracing, very, right. very bracing to see. But yeah, that was like the that was when the imagery really carried a lot of meaning. Uh, I, we should we should know <clears> that an so. important part of a uh, uh, component of the of the uh, story is actually the Life Magazine motto. Oh yeah, brought That's up right. many many times, which is a fantastic motto. I don't have it handy, but someone should look it up. Uh, someone put it in chat if they can find it. Uh, but uh, be brave, be strong, yeah. and lies to see the world. To see the world, things dangerous to come to be uh, to, to come to to see behind walls, draw closer, to find each other, and to feel. And right. uh, they make they they really do make a lot of great use of that. It's it's yep. pretty impressive. And they do Even the same. The they do a sa the same thing because it's also the message in the wallet that mm -hmm. he gives him, yep. and it's also when he when he finally takes off to uh, 
I don't remember which which one of the airports he ends up taking off to. They they have it so that as he's leaving, it's written on the airport walls and on the airplane and on the runway and all that. Right. So they do the same thing as the opening credits, right. uh, which is is kind of amazing. Yeah, it's, it ends up being very powerful. I mean, I think that the, the, yeah. the, when I saw the ads initially, it was like, oh, this looks like it's going to be pretty hokey. That's um, what I felt. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but and the the way that the movie lets it play out, like really makes it work and it's very it, like the, i don't feel like i'm getting emotionally played by it I'm, i feel like i'm talking to someone who really feels this way right and i think that's yeah. the key you know, there was like a, the, there was a unique there was a rigid um sincerity about everything yeah which i yeah. liked and that can yeah. like and that can carry things through like you can have you can have mistakes in filmmaking you can have a flawed film uh if you feel like the uh, the filmmakers really have something to say regardless. Well, look, I go back, and that's a great point, Dan, as always, um, but that goes back to domino principle, where Obviously, the thought... Obviously, yes. Yeah. yes. Okay, execution, maybe not all there. Maybe not the coherent. Thought, maybe no, not. No. But the thought and sincerity was there. He really did want to save candy. Yep, yeah, and, he he, and, and he really did want to wear that bathrobe. And drive yeah. around the corner. <laughs> you really want to drive around that corner. And That's Mickey Rooney really did Re want to play pick. with his nipples. Yeah, he did. Yeah, like you know, he was Mickey Rooney had like he had written that down on a piece of paper. He's just like, I have the perfect, perfect character defining thing to do. And I'm just going to save it for the right film. By the way, <laughs> speaking of Done. older films, and I know Chris is going to get angry because he doesn't like me talking about movies on this podcast, but um. I saw Mr. Saturday Night. Did I tell you guys that? No, no. Uh, Billy Crystal. No. No. I saw okay, Mr. Saturday Night, which is a documentary on Robert Stakewood, and it's on one of the channels you guys have. I would watch that. HBO Max? It's, it's, uh, yeah. It right. is so good. And Stakewood was a music guy. He was the agent for the Bee Gees in the 70s. And he started out, he was going to rep the Beatles, but the Beatles didn't like because he was good friends with Brian Epstein. Mm -hmm. So he gets the Beatles. He buys the, uh, he basically got, the nut is he got Travolta in a three-picture deal when he was still at Welcome Back Carter. So he put together Saturday Night Fever and Grease. Oh, and, wow. Wow. And he bought the rights for them from uh, one from the Greece, the playwright, which nobody wanted. But the beautiful thing about this is that he had such a vision. And you as a filmmaker, Dan, and Chris as a filmmaker, you'll be like, he just stuck to his gut. Yeah. And literally, one of the things, and I recommend everybody to see this, is that he didn't even have a script, but he read the article ab about but from Nick Cohn about people dancing on a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. He bought it. He locked Travolta in and he had the Bee Gees make all the music and Barry Diller and Michael Eisner. I can't tell you how much they shat on him. They were like, your little dance movie, your stupid yeah, little sure. dance movie. Right. He said, right. so he, he basically said, then let me have all the music rights. They're like, you can have it. It's going to be a bomb. So right. then he, he he goes back and he said, we, we need, I want to release the album prior to the movie. And they're like, that's the stupidest idea in the world. He's like, the album will promote the movie. They're like, that's a dumb idea. He said, okay, let me make a bet. 
for every number one single that this album will produce, you give me the gross for 500 screens. So if there's oh six God. number one hits, I get the gross for <laughs> six times 500. And oh Barry Diller and Michael Eisner said, fuck you, you can have it. It's going to bomb. Wow. Wow. They poo-pooed awesome. him. <laughs> he and George Lucas saw what he was doing. He said, wait a minute. I got to do what this guy's doing. Yeah. They hated him so much. He literally, I think he amassed about $600 million by 1983 mm -hmm. because he basically owned it all. And Michael Eisner, of course, in recording was like, you know, I knew it was going to be a hit. It's like I was in Vail skiing at the bottom of the ski lift. I hear staying alive. By the time I got to the top, I hear staying alive. Yeah, that's good. Right. Yeah. And he's yeah. just like, he called Barry Dilly, skied down the hill, called Barry Dilly. He's like, I think it's going to be a hit. Like, they were <laughs> so angry after that. Right. That, that basically, but they couldn't see anything. Sure. They, they, oh, they, well, this is arrogance, man. That's but the they problem. mocked him so much. They're like, your little dance movie. Your Every, little dance movie. Little dance movie. And they yeah. would mock him with letters saying, you know, hey, regarding your little, quote, dance movie. And I'm telling you, he basically brought Danny Terrio in, taught him. And the thing when you watch this, Dan and Chris, is that John Badham was directing it, right? Right. And he didn't get along. Travolta's like, you're not shooting it right. You have to shoot wide the whole crowd around me and let me dance like a, the right. hero. He's right. like, I don't see that. They stopped shooting for three days. Finally, Batum realized, you know what? You're right. Because basically, <laughs> Stigwood said, he's do it this way. I got, Travolta directed the movie. That's amazing. Yeah. That's do you know amazing. what I mean? Because he basically said, these are the setups. He's like, okay, let's do it. I was wrong. And you can hear right. him. He admits the guy that they wanted to do it directed was mm -hmm. Adelson. Oh, John. Yeah. Who did Rocky? Who did Rocky. Right. And then he said, look, I will do it. But Ironically, he, Stallone did a second. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes, it, but it, yeah. he did it. He said, look, I'm going to do it because Rocky's nominated right now. But mm -hmm. I don't want the Bee Gees music and I don't want a lot of dancing. Oh, boy. And so he's like, that's fine. Look. Two things, good and bad. Good, you just got nominated for an Oscar. Congratulations. Bad, you're fired. <laughs> he fired him. Right. And uh, they brought Batum in, and he basically admitted that he didn't understand the, what the character was and the dancing with the element. And so he let Travolta run with it. That's amazing. Yeah, because which like, was a smart it, play. Well, because like, it's the same thing with uh, the way that you, well, if you're going to make like a, you know, like a kung fu movie, like you use wide lenses and long shots. Like let people do kung fu. That's what your people. That's what you're paying for. Like if you have that's actual right. ta talented people who can really do this, then don't do a lot of heavy cutting. Just show me what's going he on. He was. I can't tell you what a visionary he is, and he stuck by his guns. Yeah. And he literally just retired in '83. Yeah, that's amazing. I, 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 I love the bet. The bet's my favorite part of the story. <laughs> just um, like those morons 500 500 theaters per number one hit yeah, single that's, that's a but lot. i did produce six number ones or seven number ones mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but my hope i guess i'm going back to the point and we'll get back to track chris is that the people that they say know everything they don't they don't know shit they don't, they don't know shit i mean uh, out of uh, eisner and diller they still yeah. poo-pooed him like yeah. 
I don't understand. You couldn't see any magic in it because Church Volta was the superstar at that time as TV yeah. star. Yeah. And they said he'll never be a film star. He doesn't know how to dance. He taught himself to dance in like six weeks with Danny yeah. Terrio. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's right. the thing, dude. A couple things. Uh, I do want to uh, bring up, like, you know, in terms of, like, not thinking it was a good movie and then being surprised by it. I didn't necessarily think that Walter Mitty was a special movie. I think the first time I actually saw it was I was on a, on a plane to you know europe somewhere and i was like oh yeah maybe i'll watch this movie. that sure right and then i was like holy shit i didn't expect that to be as good and that's what really got me into it um and so that's similar uh, experience i thought it was some silly you know ben stiller movie but it wasn't it was better than that um and anyway to wrap it up so basically he knows where the negative is but he realized he threw out the negative so he has to keep moving on and with his life he ends up back uh, going back to the United States, uh, but gets stopped because he comes from Afghanistan and he's in and he can't verify the people are not, you know, needed to verify who he is. And he says, do you know anyone in Los Angeles that can verify who you are? And he realizes he knows Patton uh, Oswalt <laughs> who works at eHarmony right. and he calls him up and uh, Patton Oswalt comes to greet him at the airport and buys him a cinema bun, which is the best thing. Like he's the nicest guy, you know. That's hysterical. Yes, that's good. Yeah, man. and so uh, so they end up, you know, bonding over what they're doing and talking about stuff. Uh, anyway, he ends up going back to uh, New York, delivers the the twenty uh, uh, the oh yeah go back to New York. Runs into his mom because he has to sell the piano because he spent too much money and he have to, to run it low on cash, and so they sell a piano. And she was he was trying to put the check in his wallet and goes, "I don't even have a wallet." And she goes, "Oh, here, I kept your wallet." And she gives it to him. And he goes, "Wait a minute, what?" And so uh, he realizes he has a wallet and he's ready to go. So he races back to Life Magazine to deliver the final negative, which he never even looked at. Of course not, because it would be too dramatic. Uh, and they said that's going to they, they 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 said that's going to be the cover. So ends up reconnecting with Kristen Wiig, and uh, they talk. And then it turns out, you know, they were uh, that that they're they realize that they're both available and they like each other. And they walk by the newsstand and they see the cover of the magazine. And the cover of the magazine is actually a shot of Walter Mitty looking at a contact sheet uh, outside of Life Magazine. And right. it was the tribute to the people that made Life Magazine special. Yes, the, and, to those that made life, po life possible. Yes. Right. right. And basically, referred he referred to when he last left Sean Penn, he said, well, what's on the last picture? He's like, let's just call it a snow leopard. And mm -hmm. it was him. So that was the whole idea is that he's the reclusive, which is a great metaphor and it's it's cheesy and stuff, but it was quite beautiful when you see it in the context. Well, that's the thing, dude. It's like, I mean, I said so. before, but it's like, I like cheesy is not a problem for me if it's honest. Like, yeah. honest, honest yeah. is not cheesy. You know, like, yeah. I think that that's the, that's the thing here. Because I mean, Stiller directed the movie. He obviously yep. really believes exactly what he's selling here. And that comes through, even if the movie, like, it's a little, right. you know, whatever, it's got, it's got because uneven parts or whatever. You can tell it, as an, as an act, as the actor, he believed it, right? Yeah. So it's a, a moment that felt believable. Like he believed it as an as as the character, and so therefore right. he wasn't just like pretend that I am 
right. cheesy. It, it actually, yeah. it was it was genuine in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, it's a real it's a real statement of of belief movie, and I think that that's the kind of stuff where it's just like, it's it's okay if there's if it's not flawless, right? You know? Like it doesn't have to be apocalypse now. <laughs> you know, it can right. Be, it can be it can be pretty good and still be very very meaningful. Right. And uh, and I think that that's like, I, you know, I talked about it before because like I think this is what's happened to a lot of people with the, the new Matrix movie, which I didn't like very much. I didn't think it was a very good movie. I thought it was an OK movie with some interesting parts. But fine. like, I mean, it, it, but it, it, for the people, that, yeah, it's like, you know, from my point of view, I'm just like, this is not particularly deep or fresh or, you know, particularly right. interesting. It's not very well made, but it does have a core belief behind it that is connecting for the people who see it its like belief it. was that we just have to constantly reference the past and promise a franchise <laughs> in the future yeah I, it, <laughs> it does have like i will say like it has sort of a muddy like i don't think it's quite saying that but it it sort of ends up saying that anyway because you like the matrix actually. here is a quarter of the matrix redone yeah. in steps and right, then yeah. we're going to promise you a whole franchise right, literally right. with the character saying i'm going to start my own uh, my own spinoff Right. As yeah. he's leaving the screen. Oh. <laughs> I'm just like, because <laughs> the, the Matrix, to me, like, it ends up being, like, I'm just like, this is this, you know, like, uh, Lana Wachowski's, like, trying to work out what this whole thing means to her and just sort of, like, saying, you know, like, what's interest, what's left that's interesting to me in this, in this 25-year-old license, you know? And, uh, and so the stuff that's in it that's likable is stuff that, is just sort of, sort of her bucking around, you know, like it's not, that's she's it. not putting it, like, it's just like, yeah, it's not, it's kind it's of dialing silly. it in, man. Yeah. And then, uh, so like the movie is not a really high or hardworking movie. That being said, mm-hmm. like everyone in it obviously really likes each other. And like the, uh, the, the sort of the, the, the tone that the movie projects for a good half of the audience really, really clicks. And so I basically stopped arguing with people about it being bad. They love, they're loving it. Right. I'm just like, you know, like something honest is coming through here. I don't have to be the target. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's just like, you know, I'm not going to watch the thing. Again. It's not a very good movie, but like uh, for the people that, uh, that's ringing a bell for, like, I'm glad that it does. And for, well, at least the, by the filmmaker, is like, like, they just want, I want more matrix. I love the matrix. It's like, that's the problem is like, sure. I, Here's the thing. Well, and right? the, and like, the movie complains about that, but also doesn't come up with a solution for it. No, it doesn't. Right. It's basically, kind of it, it mocks itself as being overly done. And then, like, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, yeah. and then it doesn't the have a that, way out of it. Right. The fact that, you know, John Gaeta and, and, and Kim Labrari are literal cameos in the movie. Yeah, the so fact, like, the yeah, fact like that, so that, top, that yeah. bullet time as a special effect becomes a plot point in the movie. Right. Right. It's just, it's just like, oh. Yeah, it's like, you know, like I, I feel like there's, like, you know, I get, I, I'm into. There's meta stuff that I love, you know, like there's, like I, I'm, I'm not well, okay, listen, like, like, like in, in uh, what's in Daredevil, not Daredevil, mm-hmm. not Daredevil, they're all terrible. Uh, uh, um, what am I thinking of? What's the the guy in the red suit? Comedy. Uh, oh, blanking on it. Uh, um, I know what you're saying. Shazam. Comedy. Shazam. No, 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 not Shazam. Not Shazam. Uh, 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 Tim Miller's first film. Uh, oh, um, yeah. Uh, God, now, now it's Operation. Operation. No. Um, no. Now, why am I blanking? Deadpool. There we are. Deadpool. Thank you. Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool. <laughs> they break the fourth wall constantly in the right way because that's part of the. That's kind of the thing, right? Right. Right. 
right. like that's part of the thing right yeah and, and like so i think that, that, like that. yeah like i, I like i said to uh, mcmonkey man uh in, a, in another conversation i was like matrix feels like um like this new matrix feels like uh sort of a second or third tier philip k dick book where you're like right. he's got a couple of good ideas it's like philip k dick is not such a good writer that you can't like you, you can't just be like oh i'm just lost in the writing of philip k dick like he's kind of it's kind of a clunky mess you know and uh even at the best of times it's like a little all over the place and but the ideas are really really brilliant but when they're uh, like in his lesser books you're like you're like okay there's two or three good ideas in here and it's about you know it's about a hundred and like it's 200 pages of mediocrity and two very good ideas and uh and i, I so i when i came out of the matrix this new matrix i was like I wish that they had spent the time to make that a good movie because I think that there's good stuff in it, but they, it's pretty, it's just kind of the pandemic kind of screwed up. I think that's part of it. I think it's part of it. You know, I think that like there's like, it's just kind of lazy and janky, you know, and and the action's not very good and the points aren't very clear. And it's not that I want it to be like the old Matrix. Like I I love, make it new, make it absolutely. Don't worry, half of the movie is the old Matrix. Yeah, exactly. It is the old Matrix. But (laughs) literally, literally, they just use the footage of the old Matrix. You know, like do like follow through. Like you have, like you, you still have to work hard to make a very uh, to make a good movie, and they don't really work that hard to make it good. The thing that makes it watchable, though, is that Keanu Reeves is lovely and incredibly charming, and yeah. he and the woman who plays Trinity really hit it off, and that shows yeah. through and all this kind of stuff. And so, like even like this kind of janky, broken, not very good movie that I'm glad that I watched on HBO instead of paying for. Like the fact the fact that people you know are falling in love with it anyway. I'm like. I'm glad that that got all the way through the movie, like from, from the, from the director, from the cast, like they're having a good enough time making this, that it's showing up as a good time for somebody is good. Whereas like the second two matrix movies, I literally can't even sit down and finish. Uh, watching one of them. It's like, like I'd it, rather get catheter. Honestly, they, they are truly, truly terrible, terrible movies. And they're terrible because, and this is where it wraps around to Walter Mitty is like, nobody in the movie seems to give a shit at all about the movie they're in. No, nope. like, it's empty. It's absolutely Hello, empty. Hello, paycheck. Right, and uh, and that's right. the the thing that I can say about the new Matrix movie is that like everybody here really definitely loves working together. Like the director has something that she wants to say, you know, at least vaguely, and that's coming across. This is a better movie than the last two movies simply because I can feel the love that it's made with, if not the craft. Right, and I think that that's like with Walter Mitty. I'm just like, yeah, there. It's a. It's not a perfect movie. But like, man, oh man, does Stiller like he has absolute confidence in his message. It's and, it's not a perfect movie, and it's not necessarily a super deep movie. But I tell yeah. you what, after you finish watching this movie, I, I tend to feel pretty good. Absolutely, about, man. About it really, it really, right. really like when when it goes to one of its like, uh, you know, sequences where it's like, you know, fucking get off your ass and start going. Like it's yeah. hard not to feel the emotion just like boil right. inside you and just like charge ahead. And it's right. really, really, it's a really special experience. I think that's really, really terrific. So after seeing this movie many times over the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, the, there's a scene at the very end, obviously, they see, they notice film, and uh, she's, they walk away from the newsstand, and he says, do you, you know, maybe we should buy that. He says, yeah, I just didn't just want to seem really cool right now. And do that. So <laughs> right. they walk away together, mm-hmm. uh, at which point, he reaches over and holds her hand because I think it's kind of his thing about them kind of bonding. She has this perfect expression on her face. Yeah. 
when she's like, oh, slightly surprised and then has this like slow smile expression of like the intimacy that's just happened at that mm -hmm. moment. And it's just this perfect way of they don't need to kiss. <laughs> that yeah, was exactly. enough. It, exactly. they, <laughs> they're know? in they're both in the same space at the same moment, finally. Right. Yeah. I think and, was, and yeah. The, the way that they expressed it on film or or whatever, however they did, the way they expressed it in that shot was just like this perfect little thing, and that's how you can end <clears> the movie, and that's yeah. it. And that's yeah. that's it. Now, of course, it is a it is a classic comedy, which we'll get it lead into our next film about how it is where the man meets the girl and the yeah, all and the stuff exactly the regular the regular things. movie yeah right right and, it, it's a, and in that sense it's really really nice and it was a classic story is great and it's not necessarily you know there's been plenty of journey films or plenty of things but this one just is is beautifully shot the soundtrack and and, the, and this uh, yeah. uh is uh, not the soundtrack the, the the music and the score is really good yep um and I, yeah, I, I really, I really loved it. Uh, yeah, no, really it, it was, it was a nice treat. It was uh, like, it was I a was great pleasantly to, surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it's, really it's a nice it. kicker for me. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I watch it. I, I like, I, it's one of those things like, I can't wait to watch that again. And I yeah. did that same thing. I mean, there were several movies that you pointed to me, Eric, and I, I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And then I, I watched them over and over again. As well, so. Yeah. Which one, sure. which movies? Razor's Edge is one of them. I, I definitely did that. And then I've watched Broken Flowers again, too. Dazzler's Revenge is good. Dazzler's Revenge. Yeah. That's DVD. like a Sunday morning or afternoon. Like, I'm going to put on Dazzler's. I well, can start what's it great is that you can pick it up I do want to point out that one of, our, one of our chat uh, people said that he did run into Mickey Rooney at Ralph's, which I think would be a bet an amazing Was he oh, rubbing his weird. chest fervently? Was he creating no, little nipple swirls? Yeah. <laughs> uh let's see i and i also want to say uh uh as we close up on this part of the show the uh that uh uh jason says uh lana wachowski said so she lost both parents resurrecting trinity and neo uh helped her deal uh with uh wanting the dead uh to come back i i heard uh, yeah i heard her say that as well i was actually quite touched by that and it definitely comes through in the movie i think that's an excellent excellent point i i think people should definitely also want to thank jason for resubscribing to us yes uh, yes thank you thank you so yeah. much for doing that and i'll just subscribe for seven months thank you Yes, seven months. That's really generous. That's uh, awesome. So basically, to let people know who are new to uh, Twitch or may not be know about this, uh, basically uh, we um, uh, we do uh, we take subscriptions. If you guys are subscribed to us, uh, we appreciate it. It helps pay for the podcast and uh, us doing the things we do. And if you are uh, and, you are, if you are uh, like watching on Twitch when we do like. Uh, 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 watch parties and stuff like this, and you're already part of Prime, you get a subscription. Uh, you can subscribe via Prime. Uh, you can subscribe as your, via as your, Prime. as your free as your free subscription. If you, you could throw it that our way, we'd super super appreciate that. Right now, also uh, we're about to take a, a, a quick break before we go to the next film, and we usually do that with an ad break. Those of you who are subscribers will not see the ads. Supposedly, apparently, last time people did see ads. I right. think that possibly the, the 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 prime subscribers may be seeing ads. I'm not exactly sure, but anyway, uh, we appreciate it. So I'm just going to take a quick two minute break, and then we'll get to uh, our next film and the relationship between this one and the last one. And I'm going to get film. a drink. And you're going to get a drink. So Stranger right. Than Fiction is the next film that we'll talk about, and we're taking a two minute ad right about now. Right on, right on. There we go. All right. Well, hopefully it's starting soon. There it is. Okay, we're going. Uh, Eric's going to get a drink, and I'm drinking water. 
Nice. I, 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 did you see? I don't know if you saw this. They have a new non-alcoholic whiskey. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's by uh, Whistle Pig, and I was like, I will definitely spend fifty bucks to find out if that's any good. Like that, yeah. like, but you said non-alcoholic Heineken is better than Heineken, right? That's yeah. I mean, it's not a stretch to do that, but it is better than Heineken. Right. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I, actually. You know, that's I a good point. Around. There, there's some, there's some decent non-alcoholic beers at uh, Klaus Halber or whatever it is at uh, Trader Joe's. Let me pick some of that up. Yeah, McMuckin Man actually uh, showed me a whole big bunch of them. Um, I'm sure he can if he near beers. Yeah, the near beers that are uh, that are actually really pretty great. Um, yeah, I was up in. Uh, uh, up visiting him in his part of the part of the country, and uh, and uh, we enjoyed a uh, quite a selection of near beers that I liked uh, liked very much. But yeah, he uh, he's the one who turned me on to Heineken uh, Double Zero, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to drink this every day, but you know, when you want to sit down and have a beer, this tastes like an actual beer, right? And it's and it's, it's not like near beer shame. It's like it, this is actually pretty decent, so I, right. I recommend that. But Whistle Pig's uh, non-alcoholic whiskey sounds like a a terrible idea on the face of it, and maybe it is, but I will. Uh, I'll take the risk. I'll take the risk on that. Yeah, I'm yeah, seeing a lot I of ads for uh, for non-alcoholic cocktail companies now on uh, on uh, <clears throat> on Facebook, etc. And uh, wave is sweeping the country. What was the the expression I used to have about non-alcoholic beers? It's like it's like washing your feet with your socks on. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> still kind of true. I gotta admit that. Yeah, you take it where you can get I it. did uh yeah. I did go fishing this morning, by the way. Oh yeah? Uh, yeah. It's it's interesting. Um so just just before all the rains started, I mean I guess we had you know back in November or so we had some rain. Uh and it, the water the, the temperature started to drop. And then I went to the beach and uh the water was very clear, but there was a, a river that sort of flew flew or a small creek that was flowing into uh, the ocean, and I started fishing that area, and I caught a bunch of fish there. So I was really excited. So then all the rains started again. Remember, like a couple of weeks ago, or like during Christmas, it was like nonstop rain, right? And so uh, I was uh, sort of uh, anyway, I was watched. Uh, decided, oh well, the rains are going to bring more water, fresh water. So I'm going to go down to the beach. Well, apparently, the amount of rain brought in a huge amount of. Uh, silt so all the water was brown which is harder to fish in brown water because fish can't really see or fly very well <laughs> right right it's cloudy yeah they're just it's like, cloudy yeah yeah right. yeah but, yeah because the it, the whole point of fly fishing is the fish have to see your fly <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah that's exactly right they, you can use bait and they can smell your fly but yeah it doesn't work that way. anyway uh, how's how you doing eric you back i'm back baby are we okay. is the break over the break's over, buddy. The break is we just, over. We just, we just, uh, we just did it. All right. All right. So, uh, as oh. we said, uh, Stranger Than Fiction <laughs> was on available, like on Prime and a bunch of things. You not lied to us, but, but that's fine. I mean, but suddenly <laughs> this month, it is like there's, you cannot find it. You can't even rent it. It's gone anywhere. Well, the thing is, like, uh, we decided, and I and uh, I. I went to Google Play and I rented it because it's a Stranger Than Fiction. It has a picture of Will Ferrell, like yelling at the sky. And I started watching it. And uh, suddenly it was just like this really, really long ad for some, you know, crappy surfing documentary. Right. And I was like, 
what the fuck is this? It went on for like 10 minutes and I started skipping through. I'm like, the whole thing is this surfing thing. And in fact, it was a surfing movie called Stranger Than Fiction. And right. that they had put Will Ferrell from Stranger Than Fiction on the face of it on Google Play and uh, got my two bucks anyway. <laughs> it's like these scumbags. Yeah, it's literally yeah. nowhere. It's no place. It's nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I had to, I had to borrow it from my friend's Plex server. But um, uh, it's anyway. I hadn't seen it since it came out, which was when? When did it come out? Two thousand and three or something? Six. No. Six. Two thousand six. Yeah, which is about two thousand six. I saw it. Yeah, With the last time I saw this was two thousand six. So my right. memory of this is. So, so you kind vague. of scrugs it. Eric and I, <laughs> Eric and I managed to find a way to watch the film, but we should talk about it. I definitely think if it, it it's probably going to come out, there's probably some licensing deal that's falling through right now. And right, some music uh, problem, something like that. Some, right? some, oh, it could be a music problem. That's yeah. A good so, yeah. Oh, Bowie's in it. Bowie. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, they, if that, like that but Bowie's in Walter uh, Mitty too. Yeah, but they, like it depends no, on what they're licensing. I'll tell deal you with. why. There's a Bowie song in there, isn't there? I, I, I believe because it. they just sure. sold his, you know, they just sold Bowie's estate, just sold the catalog on uh, Monday right. yeah. or Tuesday for 250, yeah. 300. Okay. And so, so it may have been shut down across the board. It may for have been shut down across. Them, right? Yeah. It didn't have the right deal just purchased. Price. Yeah. Because music rights will fuck up some, like there's, there's a, for instance, uh, Todd will, uh, uh, will back me up on this, that uh, they're one of the greatest shows ever made is called uh, Homicide Life on the Street from the 90s. Uh, with Andre Brower, and uh, it's yeah. it's incredibly incredibly good show, and you will never see it because of music licensing. Like all the all the deals have uh, since lapsed, and so they cannot bring it to streaming. Period. You can't put it on DVD. It's over. The end. I'm just like that That's is a little rascals. Yeah, it's like fucking television history. <laughs> you can't. You can't. Is that true that the it? Little Rascals was banned because Bill Cosby owns them? Uh, I don't know. I would. I had heard he owns. He bought the rights in his heyday in the eighties. Didn't Bill Cosby buy the rights of the Dukes of Hazard? I heard he that bought the too. rights to the Dukes of Hazard. I, I would not be surprised because he bought. He Someone look that up. Someone tell me I'm a liar. He please. bought. He bought the Little Rascals because he didn't want. He didn't like the negative stereotypes of. Ah, uh, uh, interesting. I think right. the same Elf, thing with uh, Dukes of Hazard. Like he was it? like, yeah. That's wild. That's true. I think wild. you're right about that. Because he used his money from his show in the '80s to to basically get rid of stuff that that what was who was it? It wasn't Alfalfa. It was the offending character. No, no. There's uh, it was buckwheat. Buckwheat. Yeah. Which uh, which uh, which was, was hilarious. Yeah. The like, cool yeah, thing right. about Cosby, though, man, all you have to do is just hang out with him for a drink, and he yeah, has got he's so many like, stories. Yeah, that's I, right, dude. Oh, I just God. he just goes on and on. I fall asleep. What a still, yeah, that dude. I, yeah, there's nothing to say about that. It, it is interesting that he is such a broken, complex personality. That on one hand, he's like trying to stop, uh, you know, Al, you know, like uh, little rascals from being seen, so it doesn't uh, uh, hurt society. And the, on the other side, he's like, "No, oh, fuck it, I'll hurt society over here." Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'll just gonna her. Yeah, well, yeah. give her a drink loaded with yeah. uh, roofies. Oh, well, That's the craziest thing in the world. Well, anyway, I don't know what I, I don't know what his uh, entanglements are with all that stuff, but I'm sure that that will all come to a close at some point soon. So yes, when he dies. Yes, uh, I don't believe that's going to be super far off, and uh, we can all relax. All right. So, all right, all right. so let's get into Stranger Than Fiction, uh, which uh, Will Ferrell uh, starts off with Ferrell, 
and uh, Emma Thompson is narrating Fantastic. his his yeah. his uh, his story of his life as she's going through it, and uh, they're putting these graphics, and you can tell that he is almost comically stereo stereo uh, uh, like uh, stereotype of a person who leads a very boring doll life, right? Right. Uh, and he is a IRS uh, agent, basically does audits. <laughs> yes, the, the classic uh, the dead end, uh, soulless character. Soulless character, right? right. And he he's very methodical. He gives the guy is kind of a bad name. So so he's and he's not you know he he basically is very good at math and he's very good at uh, very detail oriented. Uh, and uh, it's very interesting. What's interesting also is the beginning of the of the narration is that Emma Thompson is very eloquent in the way that she talks about his life and the, the, the strict habits that he does everything in his way at exactly what time does he brush his teeth, does he catch the bus, does he do this and that. But she also gives a persona to his wristwatch. Yes, uh, right. which is a personality. Uh, yes, yeah, literal personality. Too, literal personality of the wristwatch that is an important thing of of, of uh, kind of almost like a like a sidekick or a uh, of some ways, uh, right. which is interesting because it's just a wristwatch in some ways. Um, but he goes on his journey, and you see him at the uh, at the office. And he's doing his normal thing, and it's a normal day. And he wakes up the next day, and uh, then uh, he gets up and he brushes his teeth. Same deal, but then suddenly you realize that he can hear her <laughs> in the in the movie, like she's narrating as he's brushing his teeth about him brushing his teeth and then he can hear the narrator he can hear the narrator okay. and he's like wait what and then he stops brushing and then there's no more narration and then as he starts brushing again the narration continues or it's, goes back to where it left off or it's anyway so like what and so he gets a little confused a little scared and he's at the office and he's trying to file and she's describing the sound of the files going into the file box and he's freaking out and he talks to one of his friends who's at the office who says uh okay all right it's like bro. we've got two audits <laughs> right. to do here one of right. them is a you know wall street guy and then we've got a a baker and it's like the thinner file is the, someone who's the baker <laughs> it's right. like why right. don't you take the baker take the baker <laughs> and it's like okay and the so, baker it turns out to be Maggie Gyllenhaal, correct? Yes, she's great. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's amazing. and she's, she is. Have you guys? I, I was thinking about. Have you guys seen Secretary? Was it Secretary? Oh yeah, yeah. She's man. I gotta great see movie. that. Yeah, Sounds dude. good. Great, great movie. Sexy I had a hard time with that one. Fun, fun movie and uh, very intense movie. Yeah, I had a hard time with that one. It's 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 a lot more. Uh, uh, it's yeah. weird. It's weird. Well, it's, it, it, I was expecting <laughs> it to be funkier and funnier and sexier, uh -huh. and it uh -huh. is, but it's also got a very, very dark, depressing character flaw mm -hmm. that I have a hard time with, honestly speaking. Mm -hmm. just, it's just subject matter. I'm not going to spoil it or anything. 
but yeah, it's a character. I, she flaw. likes microwave popcorn, but I, yeah. I, I, you're I out. You're out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, Realistically, you know. who? <laughs> right. It's just not right good. with the butter. Nobody. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah, it's Don't smells, get me yeah. started. Yeah. Can't, can't so, uh, so anyway, <laughs> so he says, okay, so he has to go to her baker to audit her, and she starts yelling at him like, tax man. That's like they, that yeah, was very she, high fidelity. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. very high. Yes, there's a lot of high fidelity and a little bit in this as well, in some ways, although it's it's only one woman. But, uh, but uh, she is, uh, she's clearly like a very hippie girl, right? Mm -hmm cares about her community, gives away her baked goods to homeless people, you know, that kind of person, right? And doesn't pay her taxes, or she only pays 73% of her taxes because she believes that 28% of tax dollars go into military or things she doesn't believe in. So she says, I just didn't pay that amount, right? That's her logic, right? Which is fine. Uh, and so, but again, he still hears her narr the narration while everything is going on. And so even though she's being very rude towards him and yelling at him, he's looking at her because she's very attractive mm -hmm. uh, and, and in her hippie way, right? So she's got, you know, flour and, you know, she's she's dirty from baking, like all the flour and the grease and the apron and all that stuff, but she's, she's still pretty hot. And the narrator is like narrating how he feels about her. <laughs> and right. you can tell he's both, agreeing with it and embarrassed that he's thinking those things right because <laughs> right. he's she's saying it's like even though she's yelling at him he's imagining her in a bathtub shaving her legs or laying across the bed naked and her arms and like all these very sensual right. sexual things and he's looking at her and he's going oh because he is thinking those things right. Right. but he's embarrassed by it and then he just kind of finds himself just she's talking to him and he's lost in the thoughts of this description and then you see the shot and it's pretty much him just staring at her breasts <laughs> yeah and she says mr so-and-so you're looking at my tits right <laughs> and he's like i'm so sorry and it's just like it's just turns very awkward and uh hilarious hilarious uh, but then he deals, you know, the problem with the narration is uh, it's it's just preoccupying him and he doesn't really know what to do. Uh, uh, the HR person, <laughs> the HR person is hilarious at the at the office. Basically, it's trying to be a feel good HR guy and tells him that he needs to take a little vacation. He's got some vacation time coming to him. So he leaves, at which point he decides to go see a psychiatrist to talk about his issue. And who's the woman, Eric? Who's the woman who plays the psychiatrist? She's very famous. She's the one from the Pixar movie. No. Yes, it's it is. not. No. Yes, it is. No. That's because who they the, based the Pixar movie on. On the Pixar movie, they based it on her, but that's not her voice. No. You're, you're talking about the, okay. So in the Incredibles, you're talking about Edma Mode, right? Yes. Right. So Edma Mode uh, was actually voiced by a guy. Okay, but that's okay. who they based the look on. Right, but that actress who is a very short lady, she was the dragon lady, or what was it called? She was in a movie. She's been in a bunch of movies. Oh, oh is it? Um, the I very mean, short woman. Yeah, she's yeah. That's a uh, Linda Hunt, right? Linda Hunt. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, she's uh, Year of Living Dangerously, Dune. That that's stuff, it. Yeah. The, yeah. Yes, Dune, etc. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Year of Living Dangerously. Right. right. Yeah. 
yeah, the guy, yeah, Brad Bird voiced uh, uh, Edna Mode. Was it Brad Bird himself who did it? I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Edna Mode is Possibly. based on uh, uh, Edith Head. Edith Head. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Anyway. So he goes to see uh, he goes to see the psychiatrist and describes what's going on. She goes, "That's called schizophrenia." He goes, okay. no, 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 can no, I no. can I point something out? Yeah, it's the Pixar movie about the depression. The depression. I think her her voice was in. Maybe we have to check that. Remember, it was like a girl. It was like oh, you're talking about uh, um, Inside Out. Inside, Inside out. out. I don't remember if she was in that. I. I I cried so voice. hard one time I didn't want to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Inside Out is quite a tearjerker. Uh, oh man, sure. Bing Bong! Like, oh my Bing god! I almost, uh, yeah, I, I almost screamed. <laughs> I was like, ah, what are you doing? You yeah. can't. It's a memory that's going yeah. away. Yeah, Bing -bong. can't handle it, man. No, the, and, and just as a side note, I also just watched Encanto, which I very much enjoyed. Encanto has a uh, not a similar sad moment, but it has a moment where. My family can attest. Or I suddenly started crying so hard that I was laughing. <laughs> I was okay with Encanto. I don't know why. I, I guess I wasn't in the mood for it. That's a, it yeah. Okay. That really, that really hit the right buttons with me. And uh, right at the end, it was just like suddenly hit hit the big hit the big fire hose button from the from the eyeballs. It was very funny. So yeah, like, maybe I'm just I was not into the Disney music thing. Maybe Monkey Monkey Man. You're, that's what it was. It's like I'm just, I'm done with the Broadway musical Disney Aladdin thing. I don't know, whatever. I'm yeah, a like, fan of uh, what's his face's music, like uh, the guy who did Hamilton and all that stuff. I was, I, I'm, I'm into the his. Oh his yeah, that one's good. Like, but yeah, so like I like, I like all that jazz. But yeah. um, uh, but in any case, yeah, no, this uh, <clears throat> that that is, there's it's funny with me because like it's if there's a if you can figure out the code to. Uh, make my eyes explode. It, they have it happens so so suddenly that it almost breaks movies for me. And when like Inside Out, when the scene with Bing Bong, like I I was so betrayed by the movie that I was just like oh, I can't watch this ever again. And I have not watched it since. <laughs> Great movie. I totally endorse it. But man, mm -hmm. oh man, yeah, I drink a lot of water beforehand. All right. Uh, okay. So uh, he goes to see her and. He's describing the things it's like, no, 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 it's like a narrator. It's not schizophrenia. It's not actual things. No, she's actually telling real things that are actually happening to me at the time, or she's gotten certain things right. I don't you know so going on and he goes, and he basically is like, it's like it's written in a book or whatever. And he, and he goes, what would you do? What do, would you recommend for that? And he goes, well, I'd recommend medication and therapy. <laughs> and he goes, well, what if you're trying to solve what's going to be in the book is like, well, then you may want to ask a literary specialist and goes, that's what I'm going to do. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Right. And that's Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So he goes to see a literary expert, which it's just pretty, I mean, it's pretty good, but I mean, honestly, like he's saying, Oh, is it a comedy or are you in a comedy or in a tragedy is the right. whole plot. Right. Right. Uh, well, this, uh, the setup, like, when, there's a part in the beginning when, like, there's, where she's talking about his watch, and, like, mm -hmm. because he sets the watch differently, like, that, like, it may, it's, now we know he's going to die, right? And that's the sort of, like, the motivating thing that happens, right? Where he's just, like, he's... No, not quite. That, not okay. quite. Not quite. We'll get there. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, I haven't seen this in about 15 Why don't we so, do a whole podcast 
where we I actually, try to figure out what it is. No, we haven't seen the films at all. Or we're trying to remember films from 20 <laughs> years ago. Oh my and God, so that would be hilarious. Podcast, this is, this is like, it's called The Memory Festival. And we're just going to be like, <laughs> wait a minute, what was that movie? Recall. Oh God. When, so it was the dog that saved his life. No, 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 no. He goes to a restaurant in Paris and he meets her and she saves his life. Oh yeah. So where'd the dog come from? There's no dogs in the movie. Okay, I'm thinking of something else. Okay, keep going. And it, it could go, it could be like six hours. It would be so yeah. hours of us like it, remember like that videos. movie where the guy does yeah, the guy. Remember the movies like we've never one? seen, but yeah. try to remember. Yeah. Well, it's like when you see the videos of like uh, you know, some uh, like like my 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 boyfriend hasn't seen this or my girlfriend hasn't seen star wars and she tries to describe what star wars is and you're just like oh that's kind of close actually <laughs> <laughs> there's so much star wars in culture that she's like chops her way through it pretty well but yeah, yeah. so uh, forgive me i have not actually seen this movie in 15 years so i will be off base on a bunch of things i remember that's uh, fine there, you go. there is something about the, the watch but that's not exactly right but it comes up a okay bit later anyway uh, so we do find out basically a couple of things. One is um, uh, we do find out that there actually is an author uh, and uh, played by Emma Thompson uh, who is writing a book about someone. And it turns out, as you find out, that she is writing a book about him and that whatever she's writing is happening. She is not aware that Will Ferrell is a real person. <laughs> and that this is happening to him right now uh dustin hoffman actually D dustin hoffman does a really good job in this honestly it's pretty good uh even though it's kind of like he's a pretty good actor actually in a couple of yeah things. dustin hoffman's done a couple of good movies <laughs> he's got a couple of good ones uh, uh tootsie good one yeah, yeah, uh, yeah a couple <laughs> there that i agree with it's true um anyway so he's trying to figure out okay if you're uh, uh he doesn't want to take the case but he, oh, right. The thing that freaks him out that sends Will Ferrell to the psychiatrist and to seek help is that while the narration's going on, it kind of freaks him out. And he's sitting at the bus stop and she's talking about, you know, very descriptive of him waiting for the bus. And then she goes, little, dis little does he know that just in a few weeks he will be dead. And, she, and then he's like, wait, what? What did you say? What did you say? And, it, and it's kind of like everyone's around him is like, wrong with you and he's like what did he say and then and, oh yeah and that's that's when he resets his watch like something's wrong with the time that's okay this is the part i remember right? he right, resets right. his watch right and he's like freaking out and that's why he goes he's a psychiatrist and gets he uh and then dustin hoffman and then he described what she said in the writing little does he know and he goes did you say little does he know and that's when he decides to take his case he's like i've written whole papers on little does he know as a concept in a book a narrative so it's like, the omniscient it's, narrator the omniscient narrative, right? Yes, yes. The omniscient and voice. so, uh, so anyway, so then he does the the whole thing, and um, uh, continues to try to figure out if he's in a comedy or a tragedy. That's what he's trying to do. So uh, it's pretty cool. Like Dustin Hoffman does this whole thing. Like, are you a king of something? It's like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, king of the bowling lanes, king of this, king of that. Okay, so you're not that character. Like, basically taking all the classic characters of uh ancient history or, or through literary history and find out what what part of the story what kind of story is he dealing with and then it comes down to him trying to decide as if, he, if he's in a comedy or if he's in a tragedy right um and uh clearly it's a comedy by the way <laughs> yeah right 
Um, so he goes back to see uh, 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 Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, and has to continue to honor her, at which point she again treats him like crap, really treats him like crap, and they have a whole montage of him trying to go through her taxes and just having a horrible time and a horrible day. Uh, so finally he leaves her bakery and he's the only one left and she's there and she's, and I was like, he had a really bad day and she knows and he goes here, have a cookie. And he's like, I don't eat cookies. He goes, what the hell you mean you don't eat cookies? Everyone eats cookies. He's like, no, my mom never made cookies. I always have store-bought. And so she forces him to sit down and eat a fresh baked cookie that she baked. And he says, that's amazing. And she goes here, you can have the rest. And he goes, oh no, I can't do that. That'd be fraternizing and I don't do that. And so let me pay for the cookies. And then she gets insulted. And then he about to leave. He's like, I just realized you made those cookies for me and I feel bad. Anyway, total thing. She's really great in it. She's really great. Yeah, because um, it's, like, it's like you're bribing me with cookies. And like, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. right, that's the whole thing, right? Yeah. Can I just quickly say something, Chris? Yes. If that's okay, that Dan, I know it's good with you. I was serious about doing that fest at least one thing where we just try to remember. <laughs> I, I, think I don't think I, it's a bad idea. I think it's I think it would be totally so genius. Um, I think that's a, got, just a watch think, party. Think, think, Have you think seen? Of, me? I got it in the eighties. I remember going to theater. Let's watch. That's it, and we can't watch it. So we have yeah, to just a remember. movie that we Maybe. haven't seen. Like yeah, I love this. Yes, absolutely. It's hard yeah, to that's, somebody, that's a problem. Like finding a, our, finding a movie. Our, we one should have done it with this movie. One of our, our <laughs> listeners, like me, I did, will we'll have the whole script or we'll have like the breakdown from Wikipedia and he'll correct us online. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> right. right. It, so, he drove so a we blue assigned, car assigned, and it went over a bridge. Like, nope, he was yeah, right. We assigned like Monkey Man and Jason oh. to like actually watch the movie for us and like <laughs> correct right. us where we, where we fucked We're it up. so lazy. Yeah. We have people watch movies for us. That's right. That's <laughs> a, we're, we're such a big hit. That's, that's what it comes down to. It's yeah, like, and we take the money. We're making down. tons of money in merchandise. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to watch these movies. Let these people watch them. That's right. They'll, they'll give us little us hints along the way. <laughs> exactly. And that's when Gene Hackman, Terrence Stamp, Terrence Stamp comes in. Handy, baby. <laughs> I do that hey, all the time. I love Terrence. alcohol. Like, What's the I'm name of that movie more. with that guy? And she's like, you mean Mickey Work? I said, yes, Mickey Work. Yes. Like, <laughs> I'm going to get more alcohol, guys, because I'm having fun now. Okay, there it is. I, I haven't had a plan. drink in three days. Oh, nice. Have, uh, have one. I for broke me, it please. tonight. I haven't fun. had one in seven days. <laughs> really? Did you quit booze? Uh, just for January. Try January. Is it I really? Uh, yep. Bullshit. Hold on a second. What's only right on there. Pluto TV, uh, Monk Monkey Man? Hold on. Uh, Oops, go ahead. Uh, we'll, I'll wait for you, Eric. We'll wait for you as we're done. You're saying something? Something's on Pluto TV. Oh, uh, Stranger Than Fiction's on Pluto. Stranger Fiction's on Pluto. Oh, look at that. I didn't spot that one. Okay. Yeah, like okay. Pluto, yeah, like I, I'm actually a fan of those uh those shitty free watch the ads and drive blah 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 ones like IMDB yeah. and all that. Because like especially uh Pluto and uh, not Pluto, the other one. You uh Mo Mo Mubi? Not not Mo not Mubi. Not Mubi. Mubi's the art film one. Um but anyway, like, Tubi, Tubi, Tubi. Tubi. Like Tubi has like a totally bizarre selection of really, really some... good movies that right. are extremely hard to find. Um right. and you just have to put up so I watched Naked Lunch the other week and I just had to watch it with that. It was on Tubi? Yeah, it was on Tubi. Like you can't get Naked Lunch anywhere except on DVD from Criterion. And right. uh, I got to watch it on Tubi. I was totally, totally pumped. 
Yeah, Tubi, Tubi is great, but I'm not so sure about it. But Tubi is, is pretty fucking stellar when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, I was watching Repo Man just uh, the other night on Tubi. We are not we are not sponsored by Tubi. I'm just saying because Tubi is pretty dope. Tubi's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I just like if I can get away from ads. By yeah, the way, no. speaking of ads, uh, while Eric's, uh, uh, not that I need to keep this from Eric. Uh, I am experimenting. Uh, I've been experimenting for the last few weeks. I have switched browsers. Oh yeah, what are you using? I'm using I'm using Brave as a browser. Oh yeah, you're telling me about this. This is a web, um, web new web version thing. Yeah, like this is it's a web three. Web, it's web a web three type inspired browser. Uh, basically, uh, it's based on Chromium. Mm -hmm. uh, so well, it's it's it's, it's Ooh, built nice. on Chromium. Uh, it's but it's not Chrome. So basically, it's not tied to Google. Uh, oh, yeah. itself and it's a it's a dap which is, sounds for a decentralized app uh and uh it's it called brave brave yeah uh, i've been really happy with brave it works really well plus it uses a hell of a lot less ram and, and energy and everything else so it's actually pretty good uh and uh you can tell it how many ads you get right on your browser because it has its own built-in ad blocker but oh, it'll, wow. it'll allow it'll it'll build it'll basically you tell it your tolerance for advertising uh, <laughs> and uh, every time you get ads instead of Google getting paid for showing you ads it'll give you uh, um, uh, its own coins so it's got its own oh, uh, so you get paid you get paid uh, for uh, for basically seeing ads right and then that you can like the web three of it right there that's yes and, yeah. and, totally and so weird. and so you have yeah no so like right now if i open a new tab let me see i, I have I'm like, like two two or three bucks worth of ads uh collections i've done now i can choose several things to do with it by default you you can donate your your coins to uh to the people who are developing this so that they're, mm -hmm. they're they're paid or you can keep it or you can take a percentage of it or do whatever um uh yeah so so yeah you can still store your logins with google or with them if you want to but anyway it's really great i've actually been super happy Ma mainly actually the performance has been really good uh, uh -huh. and it's been just kind of kind of works so and it just basically other it basically looks like chrome overall but not tied to google so and you can uh yeah like like essentially i mean the idea that i get of web3 is like it's more consumer controlled like you get paid essentially too right you you get your cut right <laughs> you get well that cut. was the whole point right so web1 was like there's information on the internet and you go get it web2 was like you have an opportunity to contribute to the internet and that was the idea that basically turned into facebook and youtube and twitter and right. all that other stuff right but then it turns out that all the places where you put information, they're collected that information to make to save ads. Like Web two end up being just about ads. It's what it became. Like and right. making billionaires billionaires with ads. That's right. I mean Google is all about ads, and they're yeah, one of the biggest companies in the world, right? So uh, anyway, it's interesting. Anyway, let's go back to the to the show. Back to the movie. So. Uh, Anyway, she has a you know the relationship with the woman is not so not going so well. He's trying to you know he's trying to honor her. It's not so great. He insulted her about the cookies. 
And then he runs into her on the bus and she's feeling awkward and not too happy about it. And uh, he feels bad. So he tells her, um, he apologizes. He says, listen, I'm gonna feel bad about, you know, we're, supposed, we're, we're trained on how to interact with people in the IRS and I was ogling you and I feel bad, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And she accepts the apology and is kind of nice about it, at which point he kind of jokes about her being a radical socialist and doing socialist <laughs> right. things. Right. And she sort of reacts to that and jokes back with him a little bit. And he realizes it's going really well, at which point the narrator says, at which point he starts to consider how long it's going to take him before he messes up and says something insulting to her, at which point... <laughs> You see him going, uh-oh, like realizing now that the narrator said it, he's worried about it. And right. he goes, well, this is my stop. And he gets off the bus like 27 blocks early because he's just... <laughs> right. <laughs> Got to get in front of this thing. <laughs> yeah, like get off now while you're still in good shape with her. Right, uh, right. And so anyway, uh, after that whole scenario, uh, a couple couple things happen. Uh, oh, at one point you try the the... Dustin Hoffman says, we got to figure this out, but you can't go back. Like, we've got to stop what you're doing. Like, don't do anything. You can't let the plot advance. Right? That was the whole point. <laughs> like, he's like, don't go to work. Don't change anything. Don't do anything. Like, it's just got to stop, stop, stop. <laughs> don't do anything at all. Like, just fi- we'll figure this out. It, either you stop or the plot comes to find you. So he stays at home and he turns on the nature channel because he figured that'd be the most, uh, like, uh, you know, chill thing to do, uh-huh. but he can't even change the channel because that would advance the plot, right? Right. So he's watching the Nature Channel, and only horrible things are happening on the Nature Channel, like zebras getting <laughs> impaled, right. like right. like like tortured animals, and just like it's just horrible. And he's like, oh, and he wants to change the remote, but he can't do it, and it's quite quite funny. That's and great. so as he's not as he's trying to very hard not to do anything in his apartment, suddenly a giant wrecking ball crashes through his house. Right, right, yes, yes. And takes his TV with him, and uh, and then uh, <coughs> it turns out the guys had the wrong address. Uh, they start demolishing the wrong. House. They start demolishing the wrong house, uh, and they apologize. They go, "Whoops." So he goes to see Dustin Hoffman and he goes, well, I guess that is definitely something that's not just <coughs> incidental, but definitely part of the plot somehow. Uh, anyway, uh, so he goes to hang out and live with his buddy uh, who is uh, at the IRS and he starts to come out of his shell, starts not to do the old habits because he's now longer in his house, starts to buy the guitar because he's always wanted to learn how to play guitar, right? Mm-hmm. That's starts a, living a his life. That's the thing he missed out on his life, right? Right. And so he learns, he's starting to learn how to play guitar. And it's a really great scene in the guitar store where the narrator is describing all the guitars uh, as the characters that they would inhabit those guitars. That was good. Uh, right. Yeah. Cool. yeah good gag. <laughs> that was genius. But I yeah. think she does a cheap shot on Fenders, but yes. That was, <laughs> I, if I was like, up, right? like, what? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but he does like buy this beat. Bee. He does buy this beat up teal. Was it a Fender? Or was yeah, it was a Fender. Yeah, right? it's a, it's got, yeah. yeah. And, uh, 
and he the, the beat up blue one uh teal one which is like clearly it's got a little rust on it it's like banged up and that's the one he buys and plays and so starts to learn how to play guitar which is great uh, anyway uh he then starts to make decisions it's a little and this has been definitely where there's a relationship with walter Mitty. like he's going to make bold decisions and break out of his shell right so right. he realizes he really is into uh maggie gillenhall and uh just boldly runs over to her with a box with uh like 12 uh brown bags in it uh right. and races over to see her uh, at her at her bakery and she he's talking to her and she's like what are you doing here and he's like uh and he finds like i brought you flowers <laughs> which is a oh yeah yes that like bags of flower flowers right because she's because she's a baker she's a baker yes that's right that's good that's good yeah that's and she's like kind of intrigued but kind of questioning him and then he basically says i want you <laughs> right and she's like okay <laughs> take that it's like you want you want to walk me home with those that you know the flowers and she walks him home and she basically is like all right well why don't you come inside and you know she says i kind of like you and but we'll see how this goes and i was like all right so she makes him dinner and it's very sweet and this she describes her life a little bit just enough to be interesting to realize she's a very smart lady but chose to become a baker uh, uh not to say that being a baker is not a smart job it's just saying that that's what she decided to do with her life and so she's gonna she goes to the kitchen and goes oh you have a guitar and it says she's she he asks her if she plays and she says no not really i got it as an in exchange for a wedding gift which is another sign of her like just being overly generous with what mm -hmm. she does uh and he she asks if he plays and he goes oh i only know i just learned starting to learn i only know how to play one song she goes i'll play it for me he goes no 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 well, play it. I won't laugh at you or anything. I, I just went like, no, 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 I don't. You know, I was like, okay. So she goes to the kitchen to start doing the dishes or cleaning up a little bit, whatever. And he starts, decides to start playing the guitar, mm -hmm. plays a song. And he's being very quiet, closing his eyes as he's trying to play the song. She comes out of the kitchen. It's one of the best turn on, like she's clearly turned on by him playing the song. Sure. Right. <laughs> And it turns into this whole thing. It was a kind of a, it was a good scene. It's a good scene. Just put that. Eric, what did you think of that scene? I, I liked all of it, but the only problem I had with the movie is that there was something about him that I just felt he was too cute to be single at that age. Do you know what right. I mean? There was something well, endearing about him that somebody would have fallen for him. There's a lot of Maggie Gyllenhaals in the world, and I just felt like I didn't feel his, it was, I know the movie, there was a, a cuteness about it, particularly with Dustin Hoffman, and there was a kind of naivete about him, but when you just explore his character, it's, uh, from the very beginning, I didn't believe that he was alone, but I do like the movie a lot, and I felt the, the movie was really carried by the elders, by Hoffman and, what's her name? Emma Thompson. Emma. Yeah. can do anything. they were it, yeah. it would have been Perfect. nice to see them more in right. a way like 
because there was inklings of Hoffman liking her, her work. And it was almost like he, it's almost in my opinion, that it should have been a movie where they were the leads and Will Ferrell was not the lead character. That's an interesting way of putting it for sure. I did have a problem with the her and Ferrell connecting because she seemed a little young for him. It was a little awkward and weird that way. Who, for Gyllenhaal? Yeah. No, she wasn't his type at all. So you don't buy that. So it's like, it's almost like it was a, it's a good movie, but I think if he was not the lead, it would have been great. I think it was a, a Hoffman movie with Emma Thompson would have been great because he could be trying to persuade her to change the script yeah. because he was right. worried about him. And right. that's the back and forth that would have been really kind of clever. It's just that I he think was Ben Stiller could have actually done that role a little bit better than, than I actually think so too. <laughs> yeah. um, I like him as an actor, but I just felt I didn't believe that he would be single at that age. I didn't believe. Mm. I didn't believe him as an IRS so, yeah, guy. So it's not so much a performance issue; it's just a casting issue. I think it was a casting issue. Yeah, a little bit. I, I, I think it's a brilliant film. It's a great idea, and it's very well. And you really the reason the reason you understand. I personally was like, it's there's some brilliant moments here, is because of the heavyweights in there, Hoffman. Yeah, it was sure. great. I wanted to see more of him and Emma Thompson, and I didn't get enough of them. Whereas I felt they were pushing Thompson the first him no, with, they were legit in a way that you believe them, where right. he, it was like, wait a minute, he's an IRS guy? Okay. But then it's kind of a soft comedy. He's like an IRS guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because Farrell brings a lot of feralness with him no matter what, you know? And, that's right. and uh, I think that the, uh, you know, like you have someone like with a giant personality, like Jim Carrey has a giant personality, obviously, but you get him into um, uh, the aforementioned uh, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Like mm -hmm. they don't dissuade him from doing his act, but they advance the act into something sad. Like he still gets to do what he does, but right. they add to it. Uh, and uh, I think Farrell has never really found. Uh, I mean, it's been a long time since, since I've seen this, but in anything else, like it's, he's never really found the, the deeper version of his same shtick. Right. Um, and because his shtick is great. I mean, he's been, he's the uh, genius he's comedian. Gifted, Absolutely. Gifted, gifted. And, yeah. Uh, I, it would have been great. It actually would have been an amazing movie if he was almost like it was Hoffman and Emma Thompson and he was the guy caught in the middle because right. he comes to him saying, I think this woman's in my mind. And then finally he's like uh, describing, he's like, wait a minute, that's so-and-so, the writer. And then right. he tells right. her and she's like, how do you know? Are you reading the scripts? That Are you reading the pages? Because right, what, what you're describing is like you take, say, Tootsie, right? You keep Hoffman in, the, in his central role in Tootsie. And then you make... Um, um, uh, what do you call it? Emma Thompson is then Sidney Pollock. That's right. Right. right? And then and Bill Murray. Murray is, is, is Will yeah, Ferrell. Is Will Ferrell. And you need him in right. those small doses, like like aspirin. My brother used to tell me all the time growing up, "You're like aspirin, Eric. No more than four times a day." So he thought I was that annoying. However, but it, uh, I I do do recommend real quick Will Ferrell. If you guys haven't seen the short called David, that he did earlier this year like uh yeah it's september came out september 2020 actually 
uh, watch David. Just look up short Will Ferrell short David. Uh, it is quite good, <laughs> and it doesn't take. Uh, yeah, it's only like ten minutes long, something like that. That's too long. Uh, yeah, but not. I mean, so don't watch it now because you're watching this podcast. But but put it in there in your queue to watch, uh, and it's uh, very interesting. Anyway, um, to keep going. Um, so. Uh, so that's the beginning of his relationship, right? And he said, he's then realized like, oh my God, I'm with the girl of my dreams. Things are going well. The narrator and he's like, I'm in a, I'm in a comedy. I'm in a comedy. But then he realizes that something about him dying is still looming, right? Uh, at which point, uh, Dustin Hoffman saying, well, it doesn't make any sense based on all the people that are possibly could write this book. I'm not sure who he could be. And then they finally figured out that it is, um, uh, what's her name? Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. Is yeah. writing the book, right? Because all of her they, characters die, right? Isn't that well, be, well, more specifically because they watch, she's on TV and he goes, oh, that's what's her name. She's a really famous person. And then he's listening to her on TV and he goes, that's the voice of the narrator. My God, that's her. And he's like, it can't be. And then they're like, no, that's her. And he goes, well, she only writes tragedies and all of her main characters die and so at which point will ferrell goes oh shit i gotta find her i gotta meet this person and of course just like uh uh sean penn she's very reclusive and hard to find so he tries to find her but luckily he works for the irs so he just looks up her last, her last audit and finds out a, a address to or to call her he runs to a payphone because all the phones are down try to find her and he starts dialing her number and as he doing, does it, she's typing on the typewriter because the phone rings and the phone starts ringing. And she goes, huh? <laughs> and then so nothing good. happens. And the phone rings again. And then boom, the phone rings again. It's like, wait, don't answer that. Don't answer that. And then she starts typing. The phone rings one last time. And then hits period. And then just as she hits period, the phone rings again. And she raises to the phone and she tries to meet with him. And she's freaking out because he is the character that she's been writing about. Right. Um, and Queen Latifah was great. In it. Was that? Oh, yeah. Queen Latifah is plays her assistant. Yeah. I love that. And uh, she, yeah, she's really, really good at it. So uh, he asks if she, he is going to die. And at which point she had, just at that moment, she'd already figured out how she was going to finish the book, i.e. how he's going to die. So she wrote the book and she has the rest in an outline of how he's going to die, right? So she hands it to him as this is the book of your life, which is very strange. And he can't read it. So he hands it over to Dustin Hoffman, who reads it. At which point Dustin Hoffman says, I'm sorry, you have no choice. You have to die. <laughs> the book is too good <laughs> because the book is so amazing yeah it's the best thing she's ever written yeah and he's like but i can't he goes listen everyone's gonna die at some point you're gonna die here you're gonna die there you yeah i know i'm not trying to read the film i like the film but what we were just talking about the back and forth of hoffman and emma thompson he's persuading him we can't change it and he's trying to persuade her 
and he and Will Ferrell comes to, to Dustin Hoffman like I'm gonna die. He's better at playing that secondary character victim. Yes. In the whole thing, yes. right? Because it right. would have been a stronger movie, and you still would have gotten all his character stuff. Like I'm an IRS guy. I'm lonely, and right. you can have him and believe that he falls for um, Gyllenhaal. Right. 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 But he. But you kind of need to start the movie with the narration on top and then start the whole gag is like, oh, this constant, that's all there. Yeah, it's just yeah. I, I want more of, of more Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah, and Hoffman, Hoffman dealing because, with literary because you're right, because the thing that I think that's, that's interesting is that the way that Dustin Hoffman describes literature is like he's not some great literary genius. It's the same shit that I heard senior year in high school, like the yeah, difference right. between a comedy and a tragedy. It's like right. this isn't like, you know. This is yeah, they're, they're not going to Saul Bellow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. It's like, okay, all right. And I mean, he's listen. Dustin Hoffman plays a very plays a guy who seems very knowledgeable about literature, but he's not revealing some massive truth, right? It's like, right. you know, it's pretty well known what comedy and tragedy is. Uh, anyway, um, so he basically tells Will Ferrell, "This is." This is too good, you know. Like you, you, you know, like there's there's ways you're gonna die, and the way that you're going to die is gonna be memorable, <laughs> and worth it. Right. It's gonna be worth it, right? And the funny part was, if you did it that way, he's trying to get into Emma Thompson's pants. He doesn't succeed, but Will <laughs> Ferrell gets into Gyllenhaal's pants. Yeah. In a sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I yeah, think yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been 20 years since this movie's been made. I think it could be uh, time for the Eric Schiele re remaster. But you get the point, though. Uh, no, that, it's good. I like that. Like, he's he's smarter than Will Ferrell, and he's persuading him to do this, but he's really his other angle, modus operandi, is to get into Emma Thompson because she's a claim writer, she's rich, you right, know, right. and all of that. And he keeps going to him when he's got reading by the pool, like watching, the, you know, with the right. book. The best detail of the film is his book reading book was covered with plastic, right? Right. <laughs> That's like a good character detail. And you see it just a blimp, right? right. That was the shame of it. Because like, oh, my God, who does that to their books by the pool? That's genius. But he did all this <laughs> research and he built this character and you don't see it a lot. And that was it's a missed opportunity film. And that is why I think we have to do a podcast where we haven't seen any films and try to guess our <laughs> way through it. Loop back around. It's true. All right. Uh, I'm still up to this idea. I think we need to find the movie that we all Did you just say Bacharach? I said, uh, no, loop, this idea. Loop, it, loop it back around. Uh, <laughs> loop it back around. But we loop should back call around. it Bacharach. You know, just like. <laughs> That's Bacharat. like Scruggs it. Baccarat. What is that? Yeah. We haven't seen a movie in 20 years, but we do a whole podcast on it. Like, really? That's right. We try yeah. to remember and we ask one person in our audience to just at least catch up on the movie and guide us through it. See, thematically, this works because I yeah. have no idea how to play Baccarat. Nor do I. There we go. See? Hey, movie let's Baccarat it, baby. Hey, Dan, did you see those posters or the things I did, the t shirt with Scruggs it? With the new uh, New stuff? In, the, in the store. I'm going to look right now because uh, I don't know if people store. know we have a martini I'm not trying to push store. stuff, but there's some really we are trying to push stuff. That's that the very our idea. team has done over here. That's and, very, very important. Uh, I, let's go to martinigiant.com and check out our thread. Baccarat, you know? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, actually, I did see some of the, yeah, uh, put a couple of these up. 
The, uh, Guys, the, uh, the Dreamers I'm coffee mug is magnificent. It's a new year. You want to buy new T-shirts and mugs because the old ones are scratched or yep. they've been through the washing machine too much. Get Why out you put there a mug in the washing machine? Them. We don't know, but we, we have extras for you. Yeah, we have extras. We have right-handed and left-handed mugs. That's, so that's it, it, we don't care. We're, we're really supplying everything for everybody. But my God, let's back a racket. I love the uh, I I love the new MG Dreamers coffee mug. I'm going to be getting that myself. Some that of the is, stuff yeah. I wrote was completely. I think I was just of my Zoloft was kind of fading off for the day, and so I really wrote some good stuff, <laughs> like the beautiful, beautiful Dreamers. Beautiful Dreamers, man. Beautiful Dreamers. Hey yeah. Dreamers. Say so please take your take a take a moment and go to martinigiant.com. Go to the uh, Threadless store. Celebrate both space the... exploration and podcasting. Because you'll soon see up there our Baccarat series of films we have never seen. <laughs> Yet we talk. We got to have you at a table like seventy styles with dice Baccarat. Yeah, like James Bond looking at me. Like scrubs sideways. it, scrubs <laughs> it, and then Baccarat it. Just totally. <laughs> we should do a movie. movie you've never seen. One, one of our Baccarat listeners, it. one of the listeners uh, on this, has did, did a movie with me uh, called Twenty One. That would be a good one. This involves uh, gambling. Remember that, guys? It was with uh, Kevin Spacey. And oh, like, yes. Wait a minute. Card yeah. counting Crip thing. Keeper yes. has met me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, who's who knows? Crip Who is Crip? It's another mystery. Even... I've never met a guy, Crip Keeper. Then is, that is, his, is that your first and last name? Crypt Keeper. No, it's and uh, the year you were born. No, Crypt, comma Keeper. That's right, Keeper Crypt. I know Chris. Yeah. I've met Eric. Not sure if I know Dan. You don't want to know Dan. First yeah, of all. it's best. Just, best to say. Uh, put it. Put off till whoa. later. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Pixamundo. Yeah, you were at Pixamundo for a bit. I was at uh, Pixamundo twice. Once for Iron Man and once for. Uh, oblivion oblivion which was the uh what was it banana republic ad yeah <laughs> right that store up there yeah right the the, the big premier uh banana republic store in the i sky. was gonna say it was like the, the the gift shop at the pompadou <laughs> it's the pompadou gift shop <laughs> i bought this but i don't have a receipt can i still return it that was tom cruise's dilemma he didn't save his receipt that's a life lesson right there. Save it's, your receipts, you guys. You can always learn from Tom Cruise, my friend. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Never too late. Never Bock too late. Rocket. Bock Look, rocket. a drink and a half, and I am electrified here. Guys. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole new comedy program. It's been program. three days since I've had a drink. This and you it. know what? Yeah, it's Xanax and Chardonnay, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> I bet that should be a concert, that should be another right? t shirt, Xanax and Chardonnay. I think the Xanax family would sue us, though. That's the problem. No, you spell with a Z, you spell with a Z, and you're fine. You make a cop show out of it. One's it's Xanax and Chardonnay, and they fight crime, and uh, and it's spelled with a Z. It's fine. And Chardonnay with an SH. There you go. Um, it all makes sense. Oh, but you well, okay, okay, all right. Here's a Xanax is actually an android, uh, like a droid thing. And Chardonnay is like a funky female black cop. Oh yeah, and it's like oh, it's nineteen seventy seventy eight. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, that's it. I like that. 19, yeah, it's like it's like yeah. Xanax, it's like, Pam, it's like the a, force. It's like a science fiction Pam Greer show. This would yes, be exactly, exactly. Movie. Yes, would, leather vest. I would I would own every single DVD copy of that show. Yeah, leather Guaranteed. vest, leather vest oh with God. some. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Xanax. It's like cop rock. I'm in. And she's got she's got uh, and, she's got leather boots that's got fringe on the side. You know, to come yeah. down. Dan, I told you any, my any cop, of Pangers cop rock story. Already yeah. agreement. Fantastic. The, the, I never watched Cop Rock when it came out. 
Xanax, you're off the force. <laughs> you're off the force, Xanax. That's genius. Xanax. <laughs> Thank you, Grip Fever. Xanax, you're <laughs> off the force. <laughs> I literally right. saw the first episode long after it went off the air, Cop Rock. And I oh, yeah. was when I wasn't even married yet, I was dating my wife, and it was for the 2000s. So we were there for New Year's Eve when it became 2000 in Paris. And we flew there like from LA and I was so exhausted. I had a Lenny Bruce biography by Goldman and I would sleep in the, sit in the tub and read it. And I didn't sleep for like two days, but, but I remember turning on the television and it was this cop show. I'm like, Oh, I can't sleep. I'll just watch this. And then the guy starts singing. I'm like, imagine it. What is going on? I thought I was, <laughs> I thought I was hallucinating. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. This can't be real. The guy's singing like a cop. Wait a minute. Finally, the commercial was like, yeah, cop rock. And I was like, oh, it's cop rock. Oh <laughs> but I God. totally thought I was hallucinating. Like, I, why would you combine a cop show with a musical? And I was like, I have to be hallucinating. That's if, the, uh, if people that's don't like, know what Eric's talking about, Google cop rock right now and watch the oh YouTube Oh, my clips. God. It's so no sleep. You come from L.A. to Paris and you get to the hotel and you're like watching this shit while your wife's asleep, your girlfriend's asleep. Okay, my wife. I was like, I literally thought I was hallucinating. I'm like, this is impossible. <laughs> I'm just sitting on the edge of the bed looking. I'm just like, that can't be. The cop's singing. Wait a minute. Why yeah. is he singing? It's like okay. the musical version of, uh, of, uh, Doctors, of uh, Planet of the Apes from The Simpsons. Yeah, I hate every... I still I play that for my daughter. to chimpanzee. <laughs> you made a monkey out of me. Yeah, I, I play that for my daughter when we go to school. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Boy, yeah. That is some of the greatest. You can talk. You can talk. You can talk. I can, I can sing. sing. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like? Help me, doctor. You know. Am I going crazy? It's like you are not going crazy, but you're also lazy. You're also lazy. <laughs> Uh, All right, I gotta, we're gonna wrap up on this thing, and then we can goof off for the rest of it. But anyway, so so basically, who is uh, Crip Keeper Seventy? By the way, I'll, I'll tell you who he is. I don't, I don't want to. I know who he is, so I'm not gonna tell him. Uh, tell you uh, on air. <laughs> on so that's air, not because he wants name. to keep. No, it's not his name. No one's named really? Crip Keeper you... Seventy. Oh. <laughs> it's K. No one's named like Monkey Man either. I don't think. <laughs> it's uh, K to Keeper, which is uh, not doxing you. Oh, do you, okay, Crypt Keeper, can I tell him after we get off the air if that's okay? He doesn't have to. Keep it a mystery, baby. Keep it a mystery. Keep it a mystery. I, I, also, I also know who Jesus Pereira or whatever his payaso is. Uh, as well. Yeah, that's no, right. He, he won't tell and us. I know who, the, mystery, the mystery fans of chat. By the way, did you know that Cassavetti was, was in a film with, um, uh, God, forget it. I brain farted. Uh, who just died? I, I didn't know. No, um, I saw him in Sydney a restaurant. Poitier was in a restaurant next to me once, like 15, 20 years ago. I was like blown away. He was in a movie with Cassavetes. I never knew that. I can't think of what that might be. It's from 1958 because I read his obituary. I'm like, what? So I got to hunt it down. I'll tell you. Uh, are you looking it up? No. Can I finish That's the film though? I want to get to the end of it. Edge of the City. What is it? Edge of the City. I believe I've right. actually seen this now that I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, I've seen this movie. Long you time. have? Yeah, a long time ago. Oh, I haven't. What if we do a movie about movies I haven't seen at all? 
<laughs> I, I think we should get we should you you should tell the story of what you think the movie is and then see the movie and then, and, then see the, and then you guys trying to remember the movie right like, god, i don't know if i got that right like so god was she beautiful okay hey 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 when was the last time you guys saw excalibur oh my um, god three months ago that, oh well that's not gonna crazy <laughs> i loved that as a kid i, I know but i was thinking excalibur could be interesting gina like, rollins was so beautiful when she was younger oh yeah wow look at how stunning she is yeah she's great. great check out cassavetti's guys man that is cool yeah we love that dude gotta love this what a great podcast this is it's true Buy okay, merchandise, guys support us <laughs> <laughs> You're on a roll, Mr. <laughs> Chardonnay. Right. All right, Chardonnay. let me finish this up. Xanax and Chardonnay. Let me finish this up. Okay, so basically he says, you can't, you have to die. Try to explain to him how everyone dies at some point, and this is a beautiful death, and you should experience it and just embrace it as part of his, his destiny in some ways. At which point Will Ferrell decides he's actually going to read the story of his death <laughs> or whole story of his life, gets to the end of the story, hands it back to her, and says, I read the whole thing. Thank you. Right. He's kind of accepted his faith, his fate in some ways. And is very sad and sort of realizes that he is on his last day and he's going to die, at which point he is still in bed with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. And as he's before saying his goodbyes, gives her some tax advice. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny because it's the only thing you can do to remember to like try to keep her safe right and uh goes to the bus stop to get his bus and you oh there's been these reoccurring characters that have come in and out and it's the woman a woman bus driver and a boy on a bike that keep showing up over and over uh that are lead to tragic accidents in some way that's in the imagination of Emma Thompson that don't actually happen, right? Because she's trying to imagine a good way to die. Hmm. Anyway, so he's at the bus stop and uh, the boy suddenly, his bike go, ends up in front of the bus, at which point Will Ferrell goes to save the boy and gets hit by the bus. And she's, he's on the ground, at which point Emma Thompson steps away from the typewriter and she's about to write dead but she doesn't finish the sentence and she starts crying and can't deal with it because she realizes that the person is real and that she's right. about to actually kill him by doing what she's doing right. right so he doesn't die right because it's not a tragedy uh and he's in the hospital and it turns out his life is saved by a small piece of metal that is lodged in his artery from his wristwatch that kept him alive. And he stuck with that piece of metal for the rest of his life to right. keep him alive. Et cetera, et cetera. Right? At which point, Emma Thompson goes to see Dustin Hoffman and hands her uh, the uh man manuscript. the manuscript and he reads it at which point he goes it's okay yeah it's all right now, <laughs> and she says i can live with okay because at least he's alive and i didn't kill him right mm. and that was the thing 
what was interesting about it, and it struck me a little bit, it's like, it's like, okay, there's a lot of irony in here, right? One is, if he had really just got hit by the bus, that's not really tragic. There's no like, there's, you know what I mean? He just got hit by a bus, right? I don't right. see how this is the greatest book of all that's time. That's tragic though. But it is tragic, is it? No, it's a shame. I don't know. I, I would have to read the. Rest I have it. I, <laughs> I remember I, my English teacher is like, I hate it when people use the term tragedy of like, oh, this plane crashed and two hundred people died. That's tragic. Like, yeah, eh, I don't know. That's not one tragic. of my best friends. Was, one of my best friends was hit by a bus. I have a different angle. Of that. Well, yeah. Well, well was, you, you're, you're saying, I'm talking about the actual like narrative story structure. What is tragedy? Yeah, exactly. Because yes. yeah. you can have tragedies where nobody dies. Like tragedy right. is when the, the when the main character well loses out what he wants and because, because but we don't factors. know what he wants though that's the thing about will ferrell's character right. here i never knew what he wanted and when he saves the kid it's like oh there's another side to him but if he was a puppet to both her and and dustin then Hoffman, what's the meaning right, right. i think right. You, i think you have something there eric i don't quite know how it would all come together i did have a oh i know how it would come together just Pay me and my Patreon page, and I'll give you the answer. Uh, okay. That's right. That's, that's well, right. That's right. By the way, I'm while you're talking, both of you, and I love you guys. There is a thing here. 1980s. I, I looked up Cassavetes. There's a movie that absolutely. I was like, holy! I only saw this in the theater. Paul Mazursky's Tempest with Cassavetes and Molly Ringwald. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. I have not seen it since the theater. What is that, 1984, 83? 82. Is yeah. It is, yeah. I have not seen it since then, and it absolutely blew me away. And I'm always trying to think, what was that movie that blew me away with Molly Ringwald? That was nice it. Tempest, yeah. We should do that. That, man, I, I think I saw that on HBO in maybe 1989, 1990. It was on HBO, heavy rotation. Yeah. What was, That's what a was, great What film, was it about man. briefly? I cannot remember. All yeah, I it's going to be a while. The performance is... I, well, I can't remember Molly any Ringwald of it, so I don't think it's good away. enough for us to do it as a movie that we don't remember. <laughs> no, doing. no, no, we're going to do it as a movie. Paul Mazursky, I'm telling you, dude. Uh, I still want to do. I still think. I still think that as a follow-up, I would like to do Eternal Sunshine and being John Malkovich. Oh yeah, well, Eternal Sunshine, I'll do it. I, 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 Malkovich, Malkovich is also did. great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What was I, the I, other I, one? The, the Nick Cage one, which is the, the Kaufman thing. Oh, adaptation. Yeah, I like adaptation a bit too. And then there's I also did, uh, I, adaptation was a little, you know what? Okay, this is a stretch. This is a stretch. Mm -hmm. But adaptation felt to me like the Matrix, the last Matrix episode. I had problems with it in that way. It was too meta. Yeah, too. Well, have you seen uh, uh, Synecdoche, New York? Yes, <laughs> that's that's meta. Yeah, <laughs> that's as meta as anything has ever been. Yeah, but it was a little bit like, oh, we're gonna make a movie about the guy who made the movie, right? It was like, okay. well, yeah, because actually, I I really liked adaptation, and I liked it. Like, what was interesting for me is that you know, like he's two brothers, right? There's the the like, yes, the one sort of like split into two brothers, and when the other brother, the dumb one who writes shitty action movies, takes over the scripts oh, and starts writing that? it, adaptation. It's adaptation. And oh, like yeah. Nicholas Cage is like stra straining to write something important, and then finally his brother, who just like shitty action movie stuff, takes over the screen writing the screenplay, and the, which is the writing of the screenplay that you're reading, right? Once right. he takes it over, that's when it turns into the movie that I like. 
Right. <laughs> I'm just like this is really, that's a really weird thing that like it's a great observation where I'm just like I really just want I like I'm all for the the coy metaphor yeah. stuff but right. really I want the uh the Meryl Streep cradling the dead bo- dead guy in the in the swamp movie <laughs> right. chased, but chased by drug lords right <laughs> like that's that's the good business okay so 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 just to finish up the thing that I thought was interesting about Dustin Hoffman going was like it's okay they're talking about their own movie the movie that you're watching right ah, that's a good point yeah sure you know what I mean they're basically okay. going listen he, he lives but it's okay yeah, yeah it's okay, okay. I can live and they're, they're basically criticizing their own movie and their own story <laughs> that's funny. That's right yeah that's funny yeah and like, it's actually quite ironic when you think yeah. about that like is like and then but, she's like so I doesn't can live that with make okay. you want to beg for more hoffman because i wanted more hoffman and emma thompson oh yeah well i always want more yeah hoffman. yeah you know what here's the thing right because okay so emma thompson is fantastic and she plays she's well she's She's very good in this. Queen Latifah is pretty pretty darn good too. I th- I didn't get the chemistry between them as much as I'd like, but no. th- she she was she was good. They're both both of them are very good, but the chemistry was okay. Hoffman is great, although I feel like he's teaching, you know, high school senior classes, level though, high right, school sure, classes right. instead of like real. But classes. there's a charlatan approach to him that is there is really a great. yes there is definitely right? a charlatan approach. There was yes. a little bit of Wes Anderson quality yes. charlatan about him that right. was great and if he was trying to get in the pants or trying to get in hold on well let's let's talk about, about the movie not the movie you want to make but let's finish the movie that we're doing. Yes. <laughs> you do this to me all the time this is the movie i want to make <laughs> Here it is. but the thing about like will ferrell will Pete at this point like will ferrell was a big name right so right. like oh it's will ferrell doing a somewhat serious film and it's not really that serious it's 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 not complete goofball. It's, it's not. Anchorman. It is more serious than than his yeah. average stuff. Yeah. But he's still right. the same childlike. That's he the thing. Is. He is. He right. is. And then Maggie Gyllenhaal, she's just all about being like the girl next door that you're super attracted to, hippie right. free spirit thing, right? right? Super sexy, and that's kind of a good. That was at her primo time. Too. I don't know. She hasn't done much lately, has she? She actually just directed an extremely well-received uh, movie for Netflix called *The Lost Daughter*. Oh, uh, right! Absolutely, absolutely terrific. You know what I haven't? Oh, how, okay. When was the last time you guys saw Donnie Darko? Uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Is that and long enough? I could. I know. I know that movie way too well. I, okay. I'm a. I'm a fan of that movie. I'm, that. Uh, I do. I did, I am too. But I haven't seen it in a while. I was surprised at how how well it works. Even slightly better now than when it came out. I just think of Gyllenhaal. So the, the, yeah, the, the 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 both of them are in there, Jake and yeah, uh, and Maggie. Uh, that's a very that's a that's a strange like that guy never really made another good movie, but that that one movie is really good. He didn't. No. Oh wait, no 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 no. What, what's the one that that he did? Or maybe yeah, that was him about the the guy who the photographer who photographs accidents and stuff yeah uh, that was oh no oh, that, that's not the same director though that's Jill, that's Jill, Jill and Alston, tons of great work uh right. no the direct the director of Donnie Darko I oh the I, director of Donnie Darko. yeah no like Jill Hall's been in like six or seven of my favorite movies he's what's great, what's the one what's the name of the one where he does he takes pictures of people uh, that's this, a, a night a nightcrawler which is incredible nightcrawler. That's yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh that's Tony Gilroy's brother uh, Tony Gilroy wrote and directed uh, Michael Clayton and uh, wrote the Bourne movies, but his brother uh, started making movies as well. And uh, that was his, that was his debut movie. 
excellent excellent movie his follow-up movie not not quite as good but that, that was right that was great right 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 okay so uh here's right. a question so, for dan quickly before you go off ted yeah uh and I called on. Chris Ted. Sorry. Oh no. That, whew, oh no. Sorry, it's not a good thing. No, my <laughs> sincerest apologies. I'll send a gift basket tomorrow. Okay. Um, <laughs> if you made one great movie, would you walk away, Dan? Uh, no. See, that's the problem. That's no. the problem. I would never do that. I, I I disagree with that whole concept. I think that Tarantino is dead wrong to do things like this. Like, who gives a shit? I'll how tell many you bad this. You make. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Right. Uh, if I go to the beach and I catch one fish, I'm okay. Yeah, like there, well, to, that's a one. different question. Like if if I if like if I only make one good movie in my life, then that's fine. If I only make one shitty movie in my life, then that's fine. If I make a hundred shitty movies and one good movie, that's fine. But if I make one great movie and then because of that, I don't make any movies for fear of making a bad movie. Then I'm just a fucking moron. Then you're a coward. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's a coward like, though. It's just yeah. because it's a very tempestuous. But that isn't that such? Isn't that such a, a generic plot point? Is like he yeah. only wrote one book or no, something. No, 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 I, no. All I'm saying is that that is ego. Uh, that's that's trying to protect an ego that you, that I think believe, I believe people should let go. Like it doesn't matter. I how agree. I understand what you're saying. I respect every word you say. But if I made one great show, I would probably just go paint. Yeah, well, that's because I mean, that, that that is because you don't want to make shows for the rest of your life. You're making a decision to like, oh, I did this and that's great. That's all I wanted to do. If it's all it's you want, that's, that's this. That's what I'm saying. It's like if it's if it is what if it's all you want to do. Like I made my great show and now I, I want to go paint. That is something entirely different. That's great. Like that's fantastic. Like what? I, but if you if you're like Tarantino, you know, and I'm, obviously I'm a giant Tarantino fan. But when he talks about making a perfect set of ten movies, I'm just like, why do that? Like, who cares if you make a, a bunch of shitty movies? Also, like, just take the risk of making a good movie. Like, just yeah, do because you love his, doing it. His portfolio is so rich. It's he's true. Probably worried about fucking it up. Yeah, I well, that's that. I, I I think that that's the problem. It's like he's like he will net like there. are uh, when you get self-conscious enough to say like, "Oh my God, I'm on a, I'm on a," streak. he doesn't want a gonna... domino principle. I, I understand it, hey man, but they're they're out there, you know. And I think Listen, that like even John Bor uh, was a uh, Borman, right? Yeah, John Borman Zardoz. did Zardoz, man. Like, and I would rather him. I like Zardoz. Zardoz. Yeah, Zardoz is fucking cool. Zardoz is cool. It's 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 almost not I, understandable. But Zardoz I did, plus I, time equals comedy. Equals comedy. Yeah. Exactly. I did not. I did not expect to think Zardoz was going to be a good film. But it's sort of awesome. It, it is, is sort of awesome. awesome. Yeah, it is kind of awesome. True. All uh, right. Okay, so we are going to uh, wrap it up because uh, uh, I'm sure it's late for Eric and he still has to finish his bottle of wine. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Go uh, for it. Question to Crypt Keeper. Yeah, everyone has to pay bills, but there's a certain point where I feel like if you've made great films, you start making crappy ones, it really affects your ability to pay bills in a sense, you know, because you're, you're, your overall, your 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 palate is being contaminated by you know stuff that well, shouldn't be made. That's think, my think, thing. Think, think about it this way: like Clint Eastwood has made has directed at least a couple of the great films of history. And he's oh also my made God. like 
But you he's know. a fucking master, man. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like he's like he has. I mean, he's directed like I don't know, fifty movies. You got a point. Like, Ten of them are terrible. Point. You know. Yeah. yeah. Certainly, so, like, if I was making a movie, I wouldn't go back. Maybe I wouldn't go back to visual effects. But the point is, you're right. You got to pay bills. I understand that. But and maybe it's ego. You don't want to crap on your portfolio. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, I, and like it's not like I don't understand the impetus for that. I, I mean, I totally get it when when Tarantino says it, but I think it's a mistake. I just think, and, and realistically, what I think is going to happen, Tarantino says he's going to stop making movies, and then he'll go back four years later. No, what he's going to do is he's going to, I believe, is he's going to start directing for streaming, which he does not consider to be film, and he'll That's just make, kind of a cheap thing. Yeah, I, oh well, yeah, I'm yeah, saying. he's going to. Well, what he's a, it's a marketing ploy. I'm sorry, that's, it's a marketing ploy. I, whatever it is, like I don't think he's going to be able to stay away from directing. Look at what happened with Steven Soderbergh. Like Steven Soderbergh is like, I quit. I'm never making another True. movie until next week. <laughs> True KK. I just think that you know it's so hard making a movie, and if you get that opportunity, you know, you still obviously you have still work, but I don't know. I, you it is ego. You don't want to piss on your portfolio. Yeah, if you I made that one and the thing is, I mean, this is coming from the point of view for me, like of a person who wants to be making movies, and I would be terrified of not of choosing to not make a movie, which is what I've done my whole life is choose to not make movies. Even really? though it's from office space is like if I made a million dollars, what would you do? It's like I wouldn't do a thing. It's like you don't need a million of dollars to do that. My cousin <laughs> Here's an interesting question for both of you guys. Can you see yourself? I, I even my wife had this and I had this discussion. I can't see myself retiring. I always like working. Yeah. As a, like as a creator, yeah. I like yeah. working. When I'm not doing my day job, I'm creating other things. I am. But I am. Definitely, I know people who are just like, I want to retire. It's like, what were you going to do? You have no, mind that. and ideas. No, but, no between us girls, I feel like I haven't been creating things uh, for a long Chris, time. Chris, you've been creating recently. a lot. But mm -hmm. now I feel like I'm actually making something. And it's like, oh, crap. I forgot how good this feels. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, you have been making stuff. That's well, thing, I've been answering emails for five years. That's basically what I've been doing. And a podcast. You had a podcast. podcast yes, garage? the podcast brings me joy in a lot of ways, but like actually making content that's different than right. No, yeah, I'm I'm completely with you. Like, yeah, like the 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 fact comes down to it. Like, I'm never like, I'm never going to stop working. I love working. Right. So what I should do is make sure that the thing that I'm working on and making is something I love doing. You gotta like do it. what you love. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's like, and I wasted an enormous amount of time not doing that. And, uh, and so, like, I'm trying to turn that around now and I'm trying to spend my time just making things that I want to be making. And, like, once I'm, once I change that in my mindset, like, when I, once I was, once I stopped worrying about, like, oh, someday, 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 someday. And, and instead I was just like, fuck it, let's just start making things and putting them up right now. Then all of a sudden I started making a whole lot more shit. And I'm and I'm just making stuff all the time, and I'm always putting yeah, stuff up, and I'm happy about it. That's inspirational, yeah. You know, like and, that's and the right way to go. On what you're good at. Yeah, it's because of what I, it's what I love. You know, yeah. and uh, and like and so I, you know, like there's new stuff for me from me all the time, every week, and it makes me like I love doing it. And I got a couple of bigger projects, a couple of episodes of uh, some shows that I've shot that are going to be coming up, and uh, I'm fucking psyched. Like this is where I want to be doing, and I, I want to I want to be making a feature length film also. But, yeah. I but I'm making what I want to be making right now. Can I uh, ask a favor or a question? If you, yeah. when you put out your shows, would you be able to have an area of Martini Giant where you showcase them? 
I will talk about. You'll have to stop me from talking about them. I'm so excited about them. They're well, no, but I'm saying on the website so people can see some of the stuff too. Oh, Sam, I'll yeah, just I'll put it up on the on the twitters. It's gonna be fun. I think people will dig it, and it's gonna but be fun. Can we I'll put it on the website? I, I, I'm all. I'm of course open to it. I don't want to take up Martini Giant's room with my nonsense. That's a really no, by the way. I know enough. Oh, I feel bad. It's not the Martini Giant is Martini Giant. It doesn't have to be anything else. Well, no, what people have done, and then that way we can both split the revenue. No, oh, of course. Well, that goes to that saying. Say it, say it how you mean it. I'm just it, saying, yes. if it goes under the banner of Matisse, the Giants, then it's split yes. three ways. Yes. And yes. I think it would be better for everybody, well, really. Well, that goes, to, that goes to that saying. And we that split goes. the IP. How are we going to meet? Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll sideline this project. Me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. We, we <laughs> just, like, let Eric and I just each take a third of, of your, I think of that's your a hard work. I really yeah, appreciate it. This is really It's funny. Like, when I talk like this, I love my brother dearly, but being sadistically beaten by him my whole life and hustled that I suddenly start to become him, even in jesting. <laughs> <laughs> it makes for a good show though. We got to tell you. Top shelf stuff. Top shelf stuff. Xanax is got to be a good sign to your brother. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't, it's, it's, there's <laughs> gotta be one. Wonderful brother, but man, did he get, it was always mischievous, even stealing from our neighbors. Like those guys I told you about. <laughs> And he used to sell their stuff as as souvenirs, like he, like the guys that live next door, the band that lives next yeah. door. He would grab their stuff and sell it as souvenirs, as like high end products. Hey, that's what I think someone did with my car. So hey, I'm it's, it's a business. <laughs> hey, it and comes I all was, around. I was hey. mortified. I was they like, like that. Legend. Like that. You can't do this. <laughs> But yeah. yes, all right. that's all right. That's I'm gonna give a couple favorite. couple of tasks here for 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 us as he. How if, long if, was it? Two hours forty seven. No, three two or six. two. Yeah, three or six. Wow, longer than I thought. I was gonna say two. Okay. Wow, what a show! Great what show. a show! Uh, all it took was honestly, guys, you take a grape, you ferment it. <laughs> that's right. Showing a bottle. Glass. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. So, uh, so uh, uh, if you guys, uh, well, I'm talking to Dan and Eric more specifically on our Slack. If you guys think of things that you haven't seen in a long time, like I remember this movie, kind of put it in Slack and we'll find out if we're all aligned on that and we find yeah, we'll figure it out. Movie. Yeah. And then who right? do we yeah. sign? Crypt Keeper or somebody has to go through the Wikipedia or the script or the breakdowns and to be like, no. Or actually wrong. watch it for us before it goes on. So watch yeah, it yeah, and see how time. correct we are. Oh, right. I'm trying to remember. Ah, oh, Apple. Okay, here's, okay. I'm going I'm oh. to pitch really quickly. I'm going to pitch a variant of this, a variant of a watch party in which we uh, take a movie that everyone, like everyone in chat, hopefully will have seen, have the opportunity to see. We'll tell you what it is so you can watch it then show up at watch party time and we will try to predict what happens That's uh, right. for 10 minutes. And then we watch 20 minutes and then we try to predict what happens. After it's called Bacharach. Bacharach, Bacharach, whatever it is. We're but I think the watch it, party, you can't really pause it. Can you? Oh, I, you, yeah, you can. Mentally, I think mentally you can, yeah. we can pause. I believe you can. I believe you can pause. So we'll just pause and try and figure it out. Pause. Um, but the Bacharach, that's the yes. thing, baby. Baccarat. It's high roller. It will be like Telly Savalas, right? Hey, who it's loves high me? roller, baby? That's right. That's right. I'm in. I am in. Let's do it. All right. Okay. You guys, you guys ready to wrap this up? Yes. <laughs> did you get your work done, by the way, Dan, during the whole I did. Thing? I didn't hum and run I along. did too, by the way. I did a whole bunch of look dev uh, renders. <laughs> Best nice. work ever.
This is actually right, it's got... not bad. <laughs> Drinking on the job, guys. That's that's what we learned today. <laughs> that's called digital domain. Drinking yeah, on no, the job. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right. Okay. Are you guys ready? All right. Yes. Drink. Talk. Drink. Thank you.